Ladies and gentlemen, tonight's performance will include first century twilight fan fiction, classic medieval hijinks, and an orphan mouse rat singing for coin. All this and more on an unnecessarily deep dive into fake saints here on Created Things. Greetings and welcome to this episode of Created Things, a podcast of Catholic creatives and the only podcast hosted by the very patron saints of all things fake themselves. I'm counselor, artist, Jacob Flores Popcheck. With me, my good and excellent buddy, Father Gabriel Toretta OP. How you doing today, Padre? You know, I'm just, I'm feeling the, I'm feeling the fakest, you know, I'm just feeling the fakest I've ever felt. you're so fake. You are so basic and fake. Thank you. Thank you. What are you even, what are you even doing? You're so fake. You look poor. I do. I know. And there's reasons for this. I have no accessories. Um, You know, I haven't even gone to prison for massive fraud. I feel like there's just a lot about my life that's fake. Whoa, whoa. Alleged fraud. Alleged fraud. Thank you very much. Anna Delvey's father will give her that money soon. I promise. (laughs) It's coming. It's coming any day. This is a, this is a very 21st century like waiting for Godot, you know, like Anna oh Delvey's God, father is get is bringing the money, waiting just <laughs> waiting for Godot. We're just waiting, waiting for, for it. Waiting for Anna Delvey's father is my is my reinterpretation. I like that we're opening with this because, you know, we're talking about fraudsters, we're talking about fakes. Um and I've been really excited for this episode because um we're going to we're going to be talking about fake saints. Fake specifically what I wanted to do, um, where, you know, neither you nor I are sports people by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but you know, it's March, March madness. People will do these brackets, right. Um, where they, you know, pit their kind of ideal players against each other and, and things. And I thought, what's our equivalent of doing this? And I've wanted to do an episode on just the sort of cultural phenomenon of totally invented, fabricated, completely made up saints for a really long time. And I just thought how freaking fun would it be to each just choose four fake saints and pit them against each other? I thought that'd be a lot of fun, but in order to do that, in order to successfully compete those saints against each other, those fake saints against each other, we need someone to be, we to be a judge of sorts. We need we need to pitch our case to someone. Who, but who could we who, trust? Who could we trust with such an immense responsibility? Who could possibly? Who could who handle could it? I mean, the power. Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't get drunk with the power? That's what I'm afraid of. Right. Right. What? Where is our Atlas who can lift the globe of yeah, this tremendous responsibility? Exactly. This and where Atlas. will he trot with that globe? Right. Where? Where doth he trot? And and so we trotted over after much discernment and consideration to none other than. My personal friend, if you like this podcast, it means you are familiar with and like his work because he's our producer. Please welcome to Created Things, Mr. Kyle Weineke. Hey. Hello, everyone. That was the least. I thought you were going to come in with some big characteristic. No, no, I just feel misguided. I, I was under the assumption this episode was about sexual intercourse. But this was <laughs> Created Things 
sex oh, or no, well not... we did we did kind of lie to you to get you to say yes to this i could see <laughs> yeah. i could see where you would have been misled but i feel like yeah, that's not that's our fault so because we're gonna do we're gonna do something in july we're not, we're not doing sex yet <laughs> okay but i'll be on that one right since i'm the the expert correct? oh yeah you're definitely okay. the resident expert on sex <laughs> everybody cool. says that about kyle when they meet Kyle, they're yeah. like, there's one thing I that know about That guy can probably him. have sex, I bet. <laughs> I bet he could do it. He probably could. I don't know. <laughs> well, hmm. yeah, maybe. Yeah. Oh, my God. <sighs> so, you guys are already getting a taste of the tone of this episode. This is going to be a very, very silly episode. Yeah, I'm super epic and it. silly and epic and funny and epic and kind of silly and epic and kind of epic. Yeah. Yeah, just kind of poggers mm-hmm. in general. Um, <sighs> yeah. So, we, we've, we've, Father Gabriel and I, I've been putting together our brackets for fake saints. Mm-hmm. Kyle, right. You do not know who any of these saints are. We've not given. I any- do. Do you? I did research. Oh, huh? you, you did research. <laughs> to guess what fake saints. saints what are some fake do? saints? I, I actually edited the Wikipedia. So I put some. These actually were real saints at one point, but they aren't anymore because of what I did to the <laughs> Wikipedia. <laughs> Yeah. This is like this is what I said. This is what I mean about getting drunk on power. Listen to this. Like you haven't already. been on the episode yet, and already you're like changing history here. Like this is I don't know, this is dangerous. This is dangerous. But such a zoomer flex. Kyle Meineke is a zoomer. And that's such a zoomer uh, flex to put out there to just change history for his own selfish ends. Respect. No, it's just yeah. for Yeah, it's just for to be funny. That's the same thing. No. No, not at all. <laughs> Father Gabriel, before we jump into our brackets, I want to sort of gear this up for people because I think most people maybe don't even aren't even consciously aware of like fake saints mm. as being a cultural motif. Could you could you line this up or, or kind of help us help us dive into this a little bit? Yeah. Well, let me propose one thing for depending on where somebody might be coming from listening to this. One, let me propose to you that there are real saints. So the idea of a real saint is that it's somebody who has lived a life that's so uh, given to God, so full of desire for God, so full of um, uh, God's grace, so much like transformed by who Jesus Christ is uh, and the love that he has for um, human for everybody and that for that person in particular, um, that they allow themselves to be totally purified by God, um, uh, and to, uh, already kind of on the earth live, um, uh, a real shadow of how we get to live, how we live in heaven, you know? Um, sometimes that's kind of comes at the end of the end of one's life with like a radical conversion. Oftentimes it's something that you see building over that. Usually it's something that you see kind of building over the course of somebody's life. Um, we believe these are real, you know, that these are real people uh, like you and me, um, and that this is in fact like the, uh, it's not some weird thing for some strange psycho people, but it's actually a, uh, a call that's given to everybody to be so, to live so much in the love of God, to live so much with our lives shaped by the desire for him, that we could, any one of us actually be a saint. Um, okay, now that being said... Um, saints also, you know, because we believe like this whole thing about them being real people that they have real relationships of love. Like we have real relationships of love because guess what? They're people like us. Um, mm-hmm. and so there's these things about, well, they're with, they're so full of love for God and they're in heaven with God right now. And so we pray to them. Like we form relationships of love with them and we pray to them. We ask their intercession for things and, and you form a relationship of love, you know? Um, okay. Now, that's sort of what we one very small uh presentation of what we mean by 
talking about the saints in Christian perspective, but um, one might be able to predict pretty rapidly that then you would also, in addition to like the real saints, the people who are like really in heaven, you would have like um, people who are allegedly fake saints um and also maybe people who are really fake saints you know there's all kinds of reasons why you might want to propose somebody as a saint uh who never was canonized either because you're telling a funny story and just making somebody up or you're um you know you're writing it just a complete work of fiction and you just make up somebody's name uh or maybe you have reasons of your own why you want to say for instance like Want to claim that my family had some important saint uh, in the background that I didn't don't really you know um, mm-hmm. the church is extremely guarded about declaring people saints and it's not because we don't believe that there are many 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 more saints than those whose names we know uh, it's because we believe that once the church declares somebody a saint like formally and properly that that is um that can't be wrong um mm. that like it takes a lot of investigation mm-hmm. because you don't want to um say, you don't want to take like say say i just decide today that i have this like important saint in my ancestry and i start trying to promulgate it on the interwebs and these things and i make a bunch of youtubes about it and i become they become very popular um people make the tiktoks about it and it's all great and other things happen um you know, and then like a hundred years later, people think, oh my gosh, but what about that Saint whatever Esteban from the Gabriel's background? You know, the church like investigates and it's like, no, this is actually garbage, you know, um, right. whatever. So right. just to say like Saints real and fake um, all come from the same reality that this is actually like a call uh, universally given to human beings and um as the way that human beings do things, some people want to do things earnestly and really like let their lives be transformed by God. And then some people really want to fake it either about themselves or about other people. Well, but then there's this third layer, I think, which is what kind of inter- uh, interested me about the topic and maybe want to do the episode, which is just when genuine saint devotion or genuine appreciation for these real saints is so proliferated throughout a culture that people end up creating sort of Paul Bunyan type saints where it's like, it's not even, it's not even imagining that a real person was a saint and they aren't. It's not saying like, Oh, I'm related to a saint. It's literally inventing up the existence of a person from a whole cloth and, and, and giving them kind of a saint identity. So there are these, these folkloric figures that people are often aware of as being completely fake and they're just kind of silly. And what I love about those is there's sort of like a pH strip for how the culture, the given culture where this fake saint is popularized feels about Catholicism and spirituality and Christ kind of in general. And so I really like that as a metric and I don't know what saints you chose. We haven't talked about this in advance, but I will say all four of my saints are very explicitly made up people from whole cloth. They do absolutely do not exist. No one makes any pretense of them existing. Um, and are exclusively sort of these interesting reflections of how people feel about saints and then by extension, um, the Christian faith. Uh, but I think that's kind of an interesting thing too, that like once we adopt this religion and have, and saint devotion becomes so proliferated, then we go, okay, what, what can we do with this? That's silly. Like just for fun, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. And yeah, thanks for um, for pointing that out because, like, um, 
uh, there are there's just endlessly these presentations in like popular media, especially like TV and movies and stuff, but also in like you know whatever random books and stuff of like Christianity is this kind of like doer, tragic, like bitter religion of like you know people who are sad and angry all the time. Um, but like in I mean, fact, we, and don't because, get me wrong, we are sad and angry all the time, but not because. Well, I mean, I you know, I, I mean, I'm I I, I could kind of be angry and happy all the time. I, I feel like <laughs> if that's an option, I am that option. Uh, two, two things can be true. That's thank you. Yeah, uh, but because Christianity is this religion of uh, of love, of loving God and being loved by Him, uh, it in fact does tend to take. Uh, these profoundly silly directions uh, in the way that you move in profoundly silly ways with things that you love the very most, you know? So like why, I mean, something that comes to mind right away is like, why does like literally every parent uh, develop some kind of like insane um, joke language or kind of talk with the specific to their children, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Well, it's just because they... Yeah, they just like love this son or daughter so much and then they're just gonna like be kind of crazy uh and like yeah so so kyle we're gonna jump into our bracket soon because we got a lot of fake fake saints to cover in a very short amount of time mm-hmm. um but before we do that i mean what what do you think of this as we're lining it up for you what do you think of this idea of just like sort of f- totally silly fake saints made up from whole cloth do you have any questions before we get started? Do you have any hot takes before we get started? What what are what what's going through your head as we kind of put this down? Nothing. Nothing. You're totally. <laughs> you're just totally numb. Yeah. Wow. That's but good I have content. My, I have my my sheet ready. Oh, that's good because you can, you literally you can't have you can't have a final four unless you have a bracket sheet. You know, it's critical. Like, do I actually need a bracket sheet because I don't have one? Well, you just draw <laughs> it with some lines. No, no. As long as you got paper, then you got some lines, and then you've done it. Uh, no, let me t- let me talk you through how this works. Don't don't worry about it. We're gonna talk you through how this works, how, how, and we're talking to the listener through how this works. So, mm-hmm. we're gonna take turns. Father Gabriel is gonna say, "Here is my first fake saint," and I'm gonna respond with a fake saint of my own. Uh-huh. And then we're and you're going to choose which of those is the best of those two, and he's going to then move on to round two. Then we're going to go to the next two saints. You're going to choose one. Next two saints, you're going to choose one. Next two saints, you're going to choose one. You will choose one from each of those categories. That'll leave us with a final four, and then we'll decide together which of those final four is the best one. Interesting. Well, you guys keep track of that. I'm just here to look cool and pretty. Okay. Yeah, yeah right. actually, so, that's that is that is true. That is true. Yeah. Don't come power, cool and pretty. Mm-hmm. That's um, yeah, that's right. That's how it goes. But I will want your hot takes on this, right? Because we're going to be pitching some very weird people, uh, to and I want your sure. thoughts on this. All right. All yeah, right. I guess. What what's that's going fine. on, buddy? Why are you so sad? Uh, nothing. T- Nothing's going us. on. Christianity. <laughs> Colin, sad and angry. <laughs> <laughs> my lent is to be sad oh, just, i'm giving up happiness this 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 lent yeah so well i i happen to have a fake saint that pretty much did just that <laughs> okay perfect maybe maybe that saint is real maybe <laughs> this is lining up towards i did make these up actually <laughs> <laughs> what if it, i'm okay i'm just gonna shut up yeah it sounds good epic i'm so excited <laughs> Yeah, this is going to be awesome, guys. I can't wait. See, Let's get into this right now. Yeah, after the break. 
see guys, this is why we normally keep uh, Kyle behind the tech, but we decided to make the terrible mistake of bringing him on this time and, and you guys get to watch the, the fire, the dumpster fire. So mm. Father Gabriel, without further ado, drum roll. Ba-da-da-dum. Let's my first one first fake saint yeah oh yeah oh i got it okay uh so my my very first we're gonna go with um is a classy dame named saint thecla t-h-e-c-l-a um she has a book written about her called the acts of paul and thecla well it's about both paul and thecla guess what um story goes like this so um saint paul you know that saint paul like from the bible you know um Mm. who we do believe is a real saint who is a real saint p.s um Mm. uh and we know a lot of things that paul did but we don't know everything that we did that he did uh and everyone loves paul so um there is this story in the acts of paul and thecla um that this is how it goes that paul is preaching as he's wont to do in somebody's house this house of this guy named anesaphorus um, and he's preaching about the Beatitudes, and there's this young virgin who's of noble birth, whose name is Thecla, um, and she's- If you guys are watching the YouTube version, Kyle just raised his eyebrows in a sexy way when you said young virgin, so- That's, well, you know how it is. Wait, uh, how how young are we talking? It's <laughs> legal. She's, a few, she's affianced, but of course, it's this is this is a long time back, so that's pretty young, so right. watch out. I rescind um, the eyebrows. Gets good. Okay, Please. good. Appro- appropriately lowered eyebrows. Um, so, so uh, Thecla listens really passionately to what uh, Paul is saying, and immediately decides like, she spends like three days in meditation, and then she decides she's going to vow herself to virginity uh, because she wants to follow Paul and just like hear his preaching and be devoted to him and do all of these things. Problem is, she's got a fiance, and her fiance is like, "OMG, I think my fiance just like vowed virginity to go wander around with Paul." exclamation point bad you know um Mm. so he does what most fiancés would do in that kind of a situation and he tries to kill her um which is you know what happens um and she miraculously survives it um and then she like follows paul around on his travels and kind of like everywhere that they go um somebody tries to like um sidle up to that sweet lady um and uh (laughs) break her break her vow of virginity um and then tries to kill her when it doesn't work and um every time that this happens she miraculously is saved you know like she's in a bonfire and it doesn't burn her like i mean this level it sounds, of miraculously it sounds like an episode of dora the explorer there kind of <laughs> is because it does actually travel around so there's a lot of like and and this time i'm not this time i'm not dying from fire Fuego! you know so there's kind of there's kind of that situation going on um okay uh so this is kind of how it goes and the story ends in different ways and some some different versions um this is hugely i cannot even tell you how beloved thecla is how beloved this text is so it's written it's called you know so the acts of paul and thecla are written um sometime probably the late second century not quite sure um we have so many extant versions of this 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 is written don't forget so this is like you know 1800 years ago uh, we have so many copies of this. We have that it was originally written in Greek. We have the Greek version. We have 
five separate Latin translations, five separate ones. Um, we have uh, a Syriac translation, an Armenian translation, a Slavonic translation, an Arabic translation, just in case that wasn't enough. So like everyone loves Theka. Everyone loves this text. It's hugely a big deal. It becomes a really important part of Christian devotion. Um, so uh, St. Gregory Nazianzus in the fourth century visits this um, big shrine of her um, in this place called Seleucia. Um, and uh, other people, uh, we have other records of other famous people from the fourth century visiting this great shrine. Um, so people, people are thinking that she is real. Yeah, yeah. No, there's a huge devotion okay. to her. People love her, you know? Okay. Um, and uh, like the emperor in the fifth century um, massively rebuilds the whole thing, this whole big shrine um, to Thecla. Uh, because he has a vision of her, there's like all of these records of like miracles and that worked by her intercession, people having visions of her, all these kinds of things. Okay, Thecla's a big deal, you know? Um, she kind of be even becomes like a character that a, a person that people think with about like virginity and stuff like this. Um, she becomes a she's an important figure in Christianity in early some some certain branches of early Christianity. Okay. So why am I proposing her on this kind of podcast and this kind of episode rather than another kind of episode? Well, the problem with the Acts of Paul and Thecla is that we have this really clear record from uh, this other great um, early church writer named Tertullian uh, in his book on baptism, which he writes something like 190 to 200. Uh, he says that recently... There was an ecclesiastical trial of a priest who was charged with, admitted to, and convicted of forging the book, which is oh to say gosh. writing it as a pious fiction. Um, and they asked him, like, why did why'd you do it, man? Why'd you do it? And he said that he did it, quote, out of love for Paul. That, like, he loved Paul so much, and he wanted to, like, think about other things that Paul did. Because he loved Paul so much, like, obviously he was going to have this big convert. And, like, what if we brought in, like, a female lead as well to kind of counterbalance all that kind of dudeness? So that it was fan fiction. So yeah, it was literally it's, Paul it's, it's, fan fiction. They're like, like this I, priest loves Paul. He gets on WhatsApp <laughs> and he's like, I'm going to write this really cool story about Paul and his like super holy girlfriend. And then everyone decides that his fanfic is news. This is like the biggest deal on the planet. Yeah. Um, I, this is, um, like Twilight. This is our Twilight. This is this, this is, is Twilight. No, so uh, I I actually promise you there is a there is a lot of like serious scholarly discussion about whether <laughs> wait, we can wait, consider. Hold on. Yeah. Was did, did Twilight come from Fifty Shades of Grey or did Fifty Reverse, Shades of Fifty Grey? Shades of Grey came oh, from Twilight? This is like Fifty Shades of Grey. Co well, Excuse correct. Me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Twilight yeah, yeah, yeah. was a sex dream that repressed mormon stephanie meyer had and then told and turned into a children's book <laughs> city shades of gray was a fan fiction of her children's book yeah which is so which is why right. which is why they both are such great literary masterpieces what can we say <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> okay. so so this no, is the, 50 shades of gray saint edition for the for for the acts of but, the apostles um there is a sexual in any way there besides. is a real sense in which that's true actually because yeah. if you think of 50 shades of gray as this like um 
take the normal sense of human sexuality and then just like blow it up and make it completely insane. Um, mm-hmm. That is actually what the acts of Paul and Thecla does with the normal sense of um, uh, uh, Christ- Christian Christian um, uh, abstinence, you know, sexuality, chastity. Mm-hmm. Uh, it takes mm-hmm. the it takes the Christian notion of chastity and then kind of blows it up and makes it really wild and crazy. Um, it makes there it are a caricature, like if Fifty Shades is a caricature of hedonism this is a caricature of of religi- religiosity chastity yeah yeah exactly right like so there are there are things about this text that we would not consider like kosher for like mm. they, there's um there's a there's a like the, the way that in which she's a virgin like um is a lot of denial of the body and a de- denial of the goodness of oh, sexuality in yeah. itself so um so really just like twilight and 50 shades because it's also written by kind of a repressed mormon yes this yes that this yeah. turns out that this presbyter uh was the world's first repressed mormon um <laughs> it's it's amazing and to be honest there is actually a lot of legitimate scholarly conversation about whether fan fiction is in fact the best model for thinking about these things um because it's it's confusing and there's lots of there's reasons why people say yes and reasons why people say no but um but it's a pious fiction at the very least um the funny thing about it of course is that like there are a lot of christians who get named thecla because of saint thecla um there are like there's an important shrine to her there are saints who write about her. There are people who have visions of her. Um, there are like miracles attributed to her, mm. um, which gets us into a whole world of like God oh, gosh. will do what he wants, you know? Um, God will give grace to people in the way that he wants to. Um, so like this, this could be a conversation for, for another time. Uh, Cause I, I, I'm like, <laughs> I, I could get too into this cause it's, it's a fascinating thing, but like, no, we're but about I do to think have a part two for this episode. Yeah. Have, we have to have a part two for, yeah. I mean, literally next year's podcast topic calendar is just going to be part twos of all of these episodes because <laughs> right. we Take never two. do them justice. <laughs> yeah. No, but I think, I think just to sum that up quickly, I, I, I not to give anyone a crisis of faith, but like, you know, I do think this is a challenge to like scrupulosity. This is a challenge to black and white faith, right? Because you say, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, this one saint was fake. What if it's all fake? And it's, uh, you know, what if this person was lying about the mirror? My life about- is a lie! Right, my life is a lie. Yeah. And you start unraveling the second you hear that. But but what I always say is like, look, we first and foremost believe God the Father is this loving daddy, right? Abba, Father, Abba, you know, sort of being a biblical equivalent of of daddy, right? And and if if I'm a dad... And my kid runs in and says, oh, I can't wait for the tooth fairy to come. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited for the tooth fairy to come. I'm not going to be like, the tooth fairy doesn't exist and you are evil. That's what I'm going to do. Well, that's because you're terrible. I'm going <laughs> to leave I'm gonna leave that kid a quarter as an extension of my love for that kid. In the that's hopes that as point. they grow older, right, as they grow older, they will graduate into recognizing that, hey, the tooth fairy not be, may not be real. But the love of my father mm-hmm. that I experienced through the tooth fairy, that was very much a real thing, right? And I think the same thing is true with, you know, so I'm I'm going with the definition of fake saints as sort of like obviously explicitly made of people. This is an apocryphal saint, right? A saint that people thought was real, but turns mm-hmm. out to be not. But as far as apocryphal saints go, I really see that as a similar thing to this tooth fairy analogy where I go and I say, I believe in Saint Thecna. And then God goes, well, Okay, sure. okay, buddy, and gives us sort of that grace quarter in the hopes that we will eventually graduate from our belief in this totally apocryphal person, but then move on to the fact that, hey, like 
but God actually did manifest himself to me through this dumb thing. Um, and that, that I think is, is if you, if you're willing to kind of come into faith as a, not as a religion, that is a set of rules, but as mm-hmm. fundamentally a relationship with God, it makes perfect sense that he would honor, honor you believing in something stupid and try to manifest himself and his love for you through that stupid thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. All right. This ain't sucks. Next one. Makes <laughs> it. So I'm torn as to which saint to respond with. Uh, but, but I <laughs> yeah, think... my stats aren't really adding up. I'm not sure what would be best against <laughs> right, exactly. this one in the exactly. This is a money ball fake saint situation. You got to pull one with the best kind of chastity punch. <laughs> well, I I'm I'm trying to think like what would be a good response, like a good point oh. counterpoint to the saint. So I'm going to go with this one which is actually my least favorite on this list. And I suspect that that was actually your favorite on your list, Father Gabriel St. Thecna. So that's that's uh, a good counterpoint. Um, but also, so I'm going to frame it this way. Also, just a side note, this yeah. saint actually was real. And I edited the Wikipedia page again. <laughs> oh my gosh. You're so insidious. You're, you're like the Grinch of, of church history. You're slithering in and changing things. And oh, oh man. Um, okay, so so here's how I'm gonna frame this. If Saint Thecna Thecla, she ve- got an L in her name, girl. Please respect her fakeness. Thec Thecla? Thecla. Okay. I mean, you're just looking not calling her Thecla. So <laughs> I mean, I don't know, down. maybe she was. Right. Two C's in a Q thick. <laughs> Could have been. Um, All the just wanted her. Yeah, there you go. So, so okay. <laughs> if if Thicla is a sort of this this character invented out of a genuine love for Catholicism that ends up being disappointing because it actually shows some of the backwards crap in Catholicism, this character that I'm going to bring up is the exact opposite. This is invented inherently to bash Catholicism. But then the mm. payoff is this very interesting kind of pro-Catholicism thing. And without mm. further ado, I introduce to you guys Saint Batman. <laughs> oh. Yes, tell so, me more. <laughs> so there's this comic run in the DC like alternate universe. I think it's in the it's the in the Dark Multiverse series because there's like and I don't really read comic books outside of like when I was a kid. This is a real comic book. This is a real comic book. So DC in like the nineties and into the two thousands, they realized they've kind of gotten themselves into a, uh, into a corner with like this very consistent um, mythology for each of their characters. So they start what's called the new 52, which is like 52 different universes. They start um, the dark multiverse. They start all these different things, which are basically like, here's what our superhero looks like in a parallel universe. In one of these, in the dark multiverse, Bruce Wayne is going along and he has, you know, you know how Bruce Wayne Batman has, has these, this kind of complex relationship with some of his villains, right? Like on the one hand, he's always trying to stop Catwoman. On the other hand, he's kind of in love with Catwoman. On the one hand, he is trying to stop Penguin. On the other hand, Penguin <coughs> is always kind of his informant, right? So he's always, always kind of, of in love with Penguin. It's just, right. you know, he's, always a love, he's a very can, lovable guy, you know? Can we, oh my God, can we have a, like a multiverse comic of that where there's just like a Batman Penguin love affair i would read that that's again what <laughs> that's I would just, just this is listen this Twilight is again. watch out this yeah, is how 50 shades of gray got started world. you you call you calm down okay do not <laughs> touch your keyboard for the rest of the night <laughs> talk mm-hmm. about thickla man when it comes to penguin um 
but anyway, so in this, so so Batman has a longstanding vi- villain called Azrael, um, which is basically sort of an amalgamation of all of the like um, super offensive, like kind of hack uh, Templar things you know, that are out there, like whether you're playing Assassin's Creed and the Templars are all evil villains or whether you're, you know, a neo-Nazi and you love Templars because you assume there must be villains just like you or whatever else. There's a sort of weird cultural fascination with like Templars as the cult that runs things behind the scenes. And this is the Gotham City answer to that. So there's this guy, Asriel, who's like a perfect um, mirror of, of Bruce Wayne, of Batman. He's also rich. He's also, you know, sexy and raised affluent, but he gets taken to the monastery when he's a kid of Mm. St. Dumas. Also non-real, totally made up for the comic Mm. series. St. Dumas is even within the comics, only a saint to his weird little cult. He was, he was basically Rasputin within the comic world. He had sex with everybody. He was a assassin leader, everything else. And they start this order of hyper intense, self-flagellating evil, 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 evil monks. And they train other assassins and control the new world order. Right? So again, so far classic anti-Catholicism, classic sort of chick tracks type bullshit. Right? Um, at one point, Bruce Wayne though, in his sort of push-pull love-hate relationship with Asriel, he gets his spine shattered, as we've seen happen in countless movies by the villain Bane. And he needs to go, um, like, get physical therapy and chill out for a while. And he goes, oh my gosh, who's going to be Batman while I'm gone? And he goes, Asriel, you're super moralistic, almost to a problematic degree, because that's the whole <laughs> point of this villain, right? Is that he thinks he's another Batman. He thinks he's a hero, but he's so morally black and white, and he doesn't... Uh, he, he, he doesn't have Batman's same apprehension when it comes to killing people. He's just sort of this, like, yes, if you're a sinner, like I'm going to murder you kind of a thing. Right. So Batman makes the completely insane decision to give this guy the Batman name temporarily while he's literally can't go wrong. Yeah. Right. Well, Mm. it goes very, very wrong. (laughs) What? But it literally couldn't. He becomes a tyrannical, um, um, uh, theocratic dictator. He Mm. burns down Gotham City Mm. and rebuilds it in his own image. Mm. He builds a giant castle wall around it because, of course, he's Catholic, so he's obsessed with Middle (laughs) Ages crap. And he builds this giant medieval castle wall. Time to hide my castle wall. Oh, my God. Embarrassing. (laughs) I feel very seen right now. (laughs) And uh, does a lot of other really torturous, awful things and stuff. But here's where this becomes interesting, right? So far, this is boring. So far, this is hack. So far, this is every anti-Catholic thing you've heard. Well, Kyle, that's because you're dumb and wrong. Um, So far, this is every anti-Catholic thing you've ever heard before. Except suddenly, the comic series takes this really weird turn where the crime that Batman sort of knew he was fighting uh, very futilely um, does, in fact, take over the whole world. And the world descends into Mad Max style chaos. Oh. And the only place that's safe and successful is Gotham City. <laughs> because mm. Asriel Castle built walls. these walls and erected it as this holy place. And it becomes. He did what to that place? <laughs> and so it becomes this weird juxtaposition where you know if you're familiar with the comics at all gotham city is this absolute hellhole and the rest of the world is pretty nice and then now it's flipped where because of Azrael, the rest of the world 
has descended into madness, but Gotham is this sort of one outpost of sanity and sacredness and holiness to the degree that all the people of Gotham are so grateful to him that they unanimously name him Saint Batman <laughs> and mm. celebrate him as their kind of messiah. Um, and I just love that, that it's sort of, it asks this weird question. And, and again, it's not a philosophy I believe, but the philosophy of the Batman universe and beyond that kind of the DC universe in, in contrast with sort of a Marvel universe is that like humans are inherently flawed and it's extremely futile to try and save the world, but we should anyway. Um, and you know, Batman is like this one standout against everybody else's evil and even against his own evil, right? He has a lot of internal wrestling not to kill people and not to do this and not to do that. And, um, and, and I think it's interesting that they would sort of take this narrative of, Ooh, evil Templar Catholic guy, and then turn on its head and say, okay, as much as we don't like this religious guy, if you believe that the world's as bad as we've been saying in these Gotham city comics that it is, is that kind of religion our only hope? And I think that's an interesting question to ask, right? I don't know. What do you guys think of what I'm putting down here? I feel like <laughs> the saint sucks and it's fake. Ah, it's, wait a second. This saint is also fake. To- <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. consistently surprised. Every single time we introduce saying, you're like, wait a second. This wait a second. This one's fake too. Yeah, are we <laughs> Wait, hold on. So, like, they're they're theorizing that if we just killed all the bad people, that the world would be okay, which is obviously flawed. I definitely disagree with that. Sure, as do I. But I don't know. I guess I just think it's because, again, I'm comparing this to to Thicla or Thecla, and I'm like, in my head, I'm saying, isn't this interesting? Like, they start off celebrating this person, turns out kind of spoiling the pot. But on the flip side, you have, hey, we're going to bash Catholicism. We're going to make this very sort of anti-Catholic thing. But at the end, mm. we end up asking this existential question of like, we've we've sort of been through this character rejecting religion. But in the end, religion is the thing that's able to do what Batman never could, which is keep the evil of the world at bay. Again, I think the philosophy of the comics is inherently flawed, and I'm not I'm not arguing for that perspective. But I do think it's interesting that they sort of inadvertently played themselves by flipping that character and asking a very interesting question about the morality of the, of the universe they had created. Yeah, I think that's you know it's a fair point. And also, like the funny thing about the whole Batman universe is that he does have, um, like it's it's all predicated on insoluble moral problem, like uh, ethical dilemmas. You know, um, I mean, it's it's most radically uh, uh, Christopher Nolan kind of most radically throws it in everybody's faces when um, uh, he actually just made the second one of his um, uh, Batman trilogy, like a bunch, a bunch of cheap, uh, like uh, philosophy 101 ethical problems. Um, You're like, we've got you've got two trolleys. I mean, I couldn't use the trolley problem. So you've got two ferries on the river. And it's like, (laughs) it's so embarrassing. But it's so that is that is kind of like the level of the level of like uh, ethical reasoning that goes on in the Batman thing where like basically everything is these like there were these radical kind of like moral absolute black and whites. um, And uh, uh, and you just have to do it, you know, so like um they are 
I don't know. Like you can Batman, you do get these kind of weird inversions basically because of because, because it's a world of insoluble moral problems, like insoluble ethical problems. Um, it just sometimes they just like narratively end up pushing through the problem and come to something that's not exactly a solution, but it's at least it's the end of the story. So like, again, mm. uh, in the, in that, in that movie, although again, this is actually fairly consistently rep- representation of the comics. Um, like, it's he's obsessed right that he doesn't kill anybody and so like this is moment when he could have killed the joker but he doesn't want to because he doesn't kill people and okay fine and like that's just he's he's and the fact that he doesn't kill people means that 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 uh just doesn't kill the joker even though he could have uh uh means that the joker then goes out and kills like thousands of people over the course of like the next couple of days um and that's also we but we but we buy this kind of mm-hmm. i mean the movie asks us to buy this that like this was worth it you know it's the trolley right. problem like you can't kill anybody no matter what um unless in the final scene of the movie it turns out that you can totally 100 percent kill somebody with no moral problem when he just straight up murders two-face as long as you haven't thought about it beforehand <laughs> so he just kills two-face like that uh Does like he? yeah he he jumps on him and he kills him uh yeah in the in the dark night yeah 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 he like knocks him what? off something and he dies but but again the point was it was mm. not premeditated i mean they sort of phrase it as like oh it was an accident oh it was an oh, accident no. oh i accidentally just straight up <laughs> killed you which he does Whoops, i accidentally um, shot you with my gun which was such an accident <laughs> you know so you kind of get this this is a funny thing with the say batman where it's like uh they sort of you sort of know that you're like okay well we know that like killing people who are bad just because they're bad is bad and like setting up a theocracy with a bunch of with an actual castle wall around it seems like it's probably bad but then also what if everything else is so bad that the only way that things could be good is for them to be bad in this particular way it's very topsy-turvy yeah exactly Mm -hmm. exactly which which makes sense i mean that's yeah 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 in a weird way all right kyle it's down to you buddy here are your first two fake saints you got to choose one to move batman. on to the next category batman yeah batman yeah is robert patterson <laughs> so wow this is movie. a whole twilight themed episode oh my god yeah, yeah. god it's a secretly a twilight also you didn't even it's robert pattinson also that's what i said you said patterson yeah patterson that that's you're gaslighting name. me you're gaslighting <laughs> me your gaslighter canceled hashtag mm-hmm. canceled Hashtag Kyle I think, is over party. I think because of the, the Twilight, I mean, if anything connects. I mean, that story was basically Twilight. Saint Thick. But, um. <laughs> it really was. Yeah. I think ro- just having Robert Partinson in uh, the Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Robert, Robert Parkinson's. Parkinson's. <laughs> Mr. Robert Parkinson. I think having him. I think. Batman. That's that's all I got. Batman wins. He's all, cool. All right. All right. Well, Batman advances. Yeah. Batman advances to round two. Yeah. All right, Father Gabriel. What's your next favorite saint in your personal final four? Let's do. <laughs> okay. It. Uh, here's my here's my next saint. My next saint, um, is called Saint Nemo. You might know him from Finding Nemo. No wait, that's a different Nemo. Um. So, but spell the same way, Saint Nemo. Um. The I'm idea make a saint for everything. For everything. Disney for everything. Thing. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so the 
Saint Nemo is this really important saint. Um, uh, unlike many saints, he's talked about um, not just in like uh, later writings, you know, like medieval writings or whatever, uh, but he's also talked about like all through the Bible um, in this really in this way that was like really incredibly striking. Um, Wait, really? Yeah. So let me. Why let me have I you. never? ever heard of this well he's all through the bible so it's your problem um so like let me give you let me give you the bible yeah yeah Yeah, i know we're catholic but you can still read the bible okay get that Mm -mm. core out of my face Mm -mm. so um so i'm gonna i'm just gonna read to you real briefly or i'm gonna paraphrase some things uh for you from um uh from an important um 13th century life of uh saint nemo which is of course written in latin so i'm gonna half translate it for you um so there's this there's this passage uh, about Saint Nemo from Second Timothy two four, which it says that um, Nemo fights for God, which is you know so it says he's very strong that he's the sort of mighty. Um, then the the medieval author points out that um, uh, he says secondly I say that this Nemo um, was great in power, um, and the example he gives is from the Book of Revelation, which says um, God closes and Nemo opens. Um, which is kind of a big deal. Like if, you know, like Nemo's sharing that much in God's life that like, you know, God closes the door and Nemo is the one who opens it. Um, and uh, and it says, um, also says in the book of Job, you know, that like um, if God destroys, um, then it's Nemo who builds back up, which is, you know, um, all that's, again, pretty surprising. There's actually a lot of references to Nemo in um, in the book of Job. Um, and then, I uh, there's this, there's this important, um, passage as well from the book of Job that says that, um, we kind of understand, uh, how Nemo ended his life. So we know that he ended his life as a saint. Um, so it says Nemo ascended into heaven. Um, we both thought you meant that he killed himself. <laughs> He's like, he was talking about killing himself for a just while. Sure. You were like, okay. then, then there's a story okay. how Nemo ended his life. And I'm and like, Nemo oh ended his life. Okay. <laughs> Listen. We both Sometimes people like, just what? die, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so it says like, so, so you know, so he, he when he died, that uh, Nemo ascended into heaven. Uh, and then, and then the, the, the story, you know, the, this narrative of the life of St. Nemo sends, um, uh, and, and there may we also ascend, um, and be, uh, with God, uh, three in one, amen, you know? So, um, St. Nemo is kind of a big deal, you know, and this is, this is the whole claim is that St. Nemo is really, um, is really like a nondescript a warrior saint. Yeah, but it all but but described everywhere in this weird like described in the Old Testament and described in the New Testament. It kind of has these consistent characteristics. Um, so uh, we know um, the specific time that somebody first started writing about Saint Nemo, um, which is this. There was this guy named Rodolphus. Uh, he writes uh, he writes a a life of Saint Nemo about twelve ninety, um, and it becomes really Again, popular fanfic. Yeah, well, it beca- becomes really popular because um, he gives it um, in 1290, well, he gives it around 1290 um, to this cardinal um, who's kind of a big deal. Um, and it becomes kind of famous in Rome and stuff because like in 1294, the guy that he gave the life of St. Nemo to uh, becomes Pope. He becomes Pope ben- Benedict VIII, uh, Boniface VIII. Um, so, okay. Um, all right. So... We have a medieval life. In fact, we have multiple. Then, again, then there's a bunch that gets a, a bunch of lives written about Saint Nemo. So, um, 
there's a medieval lives, multiple of them. We know the author is kind of clear, so that's not mysterious. That's good. Um, we have a pope who loves the saint and loves the saint's lives. We have a we have we have the saint described like all through the Bible. So why again? Why am I proposing this as a fake saint? Because the word Nemo in Latin means no one. Holy crap! So all of those. St- what the author in 1290, what this guy Rodolphus did, was he just found all the places in the scriptures where it says, no one does X. And they just, and he just, he strings together this this series of quotations. So it says, no one fights for God. You know, it says that uh, God closes and no one opens, right? Uh, if God destroys, no one builds up. No one has ascended into heaven. Holy crap. It's it's the best. Now, here's the other the best thing about Saint Nemo is that so this gets so this is all proposed. This is like classic medieval hijinks, you know? Uh the guy who becomes Boniface VIII loves this because it is hilarious. I just I was just re rereading par- passages of this before the podcast started. And I'm I am sitting here in my room and I'm literally laughing out loud. It's so funny. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, and this is why it's important to propose in this context, he, it is all proposed in the genre of a saint story, right? Saint Nemo and all this kind of stuff. Okay. And it becomes really popular. Like in Rome, people love it. They're telling all these jokes. They're telling all these different versions of the story because there's a lot of places in the Bible where it uses the word nobody, right? Um, so, this totally obvious joke text about the life of Saint Nemo um, ends up provoking from this like Roman curial official who does apparently not have a sense of humor named Stephen of Saint George. He writes this like 30 page long denunciation and refutation of the life of saint nemo and he says this is heretical and there is no such person which of course you realize now he's saying like there is no such nobody nobody is nobody nobody has never existed <laughs> but this he is just wonderland crap didn't get that you know exactly this is yeah this is exactly <sighs> this is exactly it's like who's on first who's on second is it saint nemo does nemo not exist but nobody but nobody doesn't exist somebody has to exist I lay Satan evil before you. So, okay. So just be clear. Cause I thought you were going to be saying that this was a fanfic when I said this is a fanfic, but you're actually saying, no, Rudolphus was in on the joke when he wrote this, he was basically writing like a, a sort of comedy satire version of the genre that had become Saint books. And he was like, what if I did one for this obvious Saint, no name, Pope thinks it's funny. He likes it. He gets it as a gift. And then this random guy with a stick up his butt goes, this isn't funny at all. I want, I cancel this book. Uh, yeah, basically, basically like, uh, uh, and I'd say satire only in the sense of like, it's such a well-known again, not to mock or not to criticize, but it's such a well-known genre that everyone knows the rules and everyone knows what it's like. It's conventions. Uh, mm. And so it turns out because it's a highly conventional genre and everyone knows them, uh, that that's in a really ripe context for parody, you know, where you sure. can just have a ton like, of fun with this. Well, like a Hallmark, so like a Hallmark Christmas movie now. Like it's just so, it's so consistent. And it's so like by the numbers that it's just a fun and easy thing to be able to parody. 
Yeah, exactly. So there's mm-hmm. so there is no malice anywhere here. There is no like mistrust of the cult of the saints. It's just like basically this really clever guy uh having fun with the Latin text of the Bible. Um and then like and everyone thinking it's hilarious uh and it kind of going so to speak viral uh except for then yeah exactly you have like one kind of dogmatic dude who's like this is not dear sir this is not excuse me this is dangerous you know this some is not medieval funny. clerical karen just freaking yeah, exactly. out this is it's a man karen it's a man karen from like from the early from the from the early 14th century yeah Father exactly karen of saint george yeah, I love exactly. This. Wait, okay, so then you were pranking us before when you said he's all over the Bible, because probably any Bible Kyle and I have ever read, it actually just translates it correctly as no one does the thing, right? And that's why I haven't read St. Nemo before, or am well, I actually course. dumb? If you, but if you had read it in Latin, you would you would have read it all over the place. You freaking you freaking gaslighted us. I did not gaslight you. I, t- cool. I said, I told you something true. It you just said it's all, what- I said, I've never heard of him. And you said, oh, it's all over the Bible. It is all oh, over the Bible. Excuse me. They call that lying by omission. I, did oh. I, did, yeah. did you ask what language we were reading the Bible in? No, you did not. Oh my lying God. by you, omission. You, you might want to Google that. You leprechaun, <laughs> you absolute deceiver. Literally, yeah. nobody lies by omission. <laughs> <laughs> see what i did there um just in spite of father gabriel this uh saint is poo poo i hate <laughs> the saint he sucks jacob your turn you hate, i, I you know gotta what? say i if i were the if i were voting though i would yeah. honestly just give this to i would give the whole thing to saint nemo without and bring up any others because he's so obviously fake <laughs> and like in a funny way and like his name literally means fake and i just love <laughs> i love this so much Oh God! I'm the, I'm the. Yeah, but I'm not. But it's, I'm not the my judge. Choice. You're, you're the judge. It's so, your choice. <laughs> Girl's yeah, choice. Girl's right. choice. It's it's my choice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is a this is the Sadie Hawkins dances a podcast. No, 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 no. I'll hear it. Out. I'll hear. I'll hear out. All right. Cool. I haven't so, made my choice yet. But this whole uh, gaslighting thing, Father <laughs> Gabriel. Yeah, it's difficult. I know it's difficult. It's sensitive. It's sensitive. Yeah. This is toxic. If you, yeah. if you need to, if you need to talk, yeah. talk through your emotions, I know a, I know a good psychotherapist. Mm. <laughs> you know an okay psychotherapist. Um, all right. So let's go. Let's go modern. Also, a saint who is <sighs> very explicitly meant to be fake, um, and also meant to be a parody of saint devotion. Let's talk about Saint Urho. 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 Spelled U R H O. So there's this guy in, I want to say, like, I think this is in the 1950s. Yes, 1956. Okay, so there's this guy, Richard Matson. He's he's a Finnish American guy living in uh I think Minnesota. Yeah. In, in Minnesota and he works at this little department store called Katola's and he is like, <laughs> he's like pathologically jealous of all the Irish people. Um, and they, the fact that they get to have St. Patrick's day what? and like celebrate St. Patrick's day every year. And he's like, man, this sucks. These freaking Irish people, they like get everything which has never ever been said before about Irish people. <laughs> so he decides, you know what we need? We need a Finnish pride saint <laughs> the the day before St. Patrick's Day. 
so that we can steal the thunder of this. We can have our own parade. We can drink green beer the day before them. And by the time they get to St. Patrick's day, everyone will be bored with this and they won't have it anymore. And so freaking funny, especially funny because there is a real patron saint of Finland. There is a real historically existing theologically existing patron saint of, of, of Finland and answer to St. Patrick by the Finns. His name is St. Henry. He's like the first Bishop of, of Finland. And he does not cool enough. He does predate no clout. Well, that's the thing. He doesn't have enough clout. So they, so he does predate St. Patrick's day. He's on January 19th. Right. So yeah, but too far away though. Yeah. Too far. But, but they want their own invention. So they come up with this Paul Bunyan looking dude. (laughs) like all carved out of wood and they come up with this with this truly insane character where you know okay saint patrick he drove the snakes out of ireland so what can mm. saint urho have done uh what can he do he oh i know he drove the grasshoppers out of finland uh, oh had they previously been there in abundance apparently oh, yeah. they have a big <laughs> a wine culture in finland and they were like we had he had to chase away these giant grasshoppers so that so that we could have our nice tasty finnish wine and they have a Mm. song that they wrote in both finnish and english it goes like this ooksie kooksie kaluma v one two three four five saint urho is the boy for me he chased out the hoppers as big as birds never before have i heard those words he really told bugs of green bravest finn i've ever seen some celebrate for saint pat and his snakes but urko poke boy got what it takes <laughs> he got strong and tall from villy sour which i think is sour milk <laughs> soup um and ate, you know the, i love that combination of words yeah <laughs> right mm. and and ate, milk soup. and ate kalamajaka which is fish soup every oh, hour sour fish soup right well that's why <laughs> this guy could chase those beetles what grew as thick as jack pine needles so <laughs> let's give a cheer in our bestest way on the 16th of march st patrick's day is uh 17th of march saint <laughs> urho's day so this is an actual carol um <laughs> surprise surprise this does not really take off <laughs> wait what <laughs> what right it is not like kind of i mean still i think the town that does it and, and listener if you happen to live in uh virginia minnesota like um let us know if you guys actually do stuff for this i guess Send there's pictures a, Right. I guess there's a statue of St. Urho in Monaga, Minnesota. Um, it's carved out of a, with a, got a piece of wood with a chainsaw. Um, <laughs> and then there was, did a, he use the chainsaw to drive away? <laughs> yeah. He used the chainsaw to chase away the grasshoppers. Wait, wait, okay. Yeah, sure. Was it, was and, it carved with the chainsaw? <laughs> he was carved holding his chainsaw. So that's, no, that's, that's Freddy Krueger. That's different. It's a whole uh, other right. thing. Statues holding an ax. Statue was no. carved with a chainsaw. Um, and then why t- wouldn't they carve it with an axe if he's... That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's really yeah. hard. But then there's this <laughs> 2001 book um, that is also... This is why I'm... You know, this is why this is my answer to Nemo. This, that is also a parody <clears throat> of, like, kitschy, comforting to your grandma saint fiction called The Legend of St. Urho by uh, Joanna Sala. And it it 
presents all this folklore as, as actual history and and describes the sacred mm. birth of Saint Urho when God chose him to uh, chase out the the grasshoppers. It's so funny to me. <laughs> That it's someone amazing. would be this jealous of St. Patrick's Day, and then rather than look and say, what authentically Catholic traditions do we Finnish people have? Just makes up one whole cloth in this seedy, just passive-aggressive way to undermine this Irish Pride Festival. I love it so much. I mean, I love that the song actually already like it already jabs at St. Patrick. It's like, oh, don't- 100%. Don't you be, don't you be celebrating that garbage saint, St. Patrick. <laughs> be celebrating my saint. Be celebrating my guy. Yeah, I amazing. Also, I also like the kind of like savage dig there on the fins, though, because recognizing that this is a completely fictional person is characterized as the bravest fin I've ever seen. Right. Which kind of suggests that fins are a bunch of like girly men. Right. Well, because most fins uh, would be scared of grasshoppers, but this guy wasn't. This guy was yeah. not. I mean, with because he had divine power. You right. Know. And so, therefore, he stands out among all Finnish people because he wasn't scared of grasshoppers like the rest of us. I mean, have you get, grasshoppers are kind of spooky, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, Everybody they're like in the grass scary. and then they hop, you know, which yeah. is, which is, you know, I, I confess. You know, that was one of eerie. the plagues was locust. Actually, That's I don't know. True. I don't know if you've read the Bible because I actually have. Um, <laughs> Nemo was a, has a read big the Bible. Problem. Locusts yeah. were a big problem. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. What do you think, Kyle? We have we have two parodies um, of saint fiction here: one medieval, one modern and dumb. <laughs> Which do you think is moving on to our 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 next round? Well, as scary as grasshoppers and locusts are, snakes are a little more scary. Definitely. But um, does my hatred for Father Gabriel right now? Mm, <laughs> no, listener, beware of gaslighting. Beware of gaslighting mm, Kyle, you know? It's it's dangerous. Doesn't like I've been that. hurt before, Father. Yeah. He's been burned. Don't hurt has, me again. Has, has Nemo hurt you? Yeah. <laughs> Last St. Urho's day, he gave you his heart, uh, but the very next day, you gave it away. <laughs> I, I, I got to give it to, uh, I, I mean, I have absolutely, I've done none of my calculations, so I, there's no way to, again, go over stats, you know, hand size, mm. you know, height, right. anything that you would normally pick, you know, for drafts, but I think... Um, I think just based on the storytelling alone of St. Nemo. Yeah, gotta, that was I gotta, awesome. I gotta give it to him. You presented yeah. that so well, Father Yeah, 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 St. Nemo in the house. twists. That was Just Shyamalan. kidding. Actually, that saint is real, and I lied. I actually <laughs> love him, and I hate grasshoppers, and I picked that saint. I don't remember his name. <laughs> you don't even remember the but saint. I pick him. Yeah, you can't, you can't vote for a saint if you don't remember his name. So, so... Round so you're saying right. round two is All Nemo, right. right? Actually, that Saint Saint Nemo was really cool. Actually, I really like that Saint. I'm glad that he made the draft. I'm so I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Yeah. I'm on highs and lows right now, but like I'm just gonna stick with highs, and yeah. we're gonna go. Yeah. See, Father mm. Gabriel might have gaslit you, but you're whiplashing him. You're like you're like you're doing that narcissist thing of like love bombing. You're like, yes, I choose your Saint. No, I don't actually. And you're you're, you're really you're really abusing him emotionally, honestly. And I gotta call you out for that. That's not okay, buddy. Hashtag Kyle is over party. Hashtag cancel Kyle. 
Hashtag Nemo cancels Kyle. (laughs) (laughs) I like this. Okay, so so literally everything. It works all the time. (laughs) It does. No one cancels Kyle. I love it so much. This is my point. All right. So so far we got Saint Batman and Saint Nemo. This is rounding it to be very pop culture heavy. I love it. Mm Father Gabriel, give us your third. I thought you were going to go through all. Oh, no, no, no. I'm saying, Father Gabriel, give us your third. We got to jump through this. We got to get through this. We got to pace ourselves. Give us your third, buddy. My bad. Okay. Sorry. My number three. St. Armano Pungalupo. So, okay, we've moved forward in time to a time when people have last names. Wait, 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 wait. St. Poopalupo? Pungalupo. St. So Kyle couldn't. Literally a minute later, remember the name Urho, and you're gonna throw Hoopa Loopa. It's Armando. 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 It's like it's like Herman, but it's Italian. Armando. Like think like Armani. He's like Armani. Okay, think like Armani. This Armano. All right. Armani is just multiple Armano. You know. Um. So his name's his name's Armano. I'm not gonna repeat his last name. I don't want to trigger you. I'm sorry. You know. Let's say his last name again. Pumkalupo. Poopaloopy doopy. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Got it. My two favorite singers are Dua Lipa. That name since it's not real. Um. Hey, this is a real person. Uh. Watch out. So I. Are you trolling again? So here's so here's the thing. This is a real person. This person really existed. Uh, he died in 1269. Uh, he lived in Ferrara in Italy, which is kind of between Bologna and Venice, and in sort of northeastern Italy-ish. Um, so one thing that's important to know. Um, so he's he dies. Um, everyone thought everyone um in the town uh where he dies kind of knows that he's very holy and they revere him as a saint and he's sort of buried in a prominent place and they go and they're praying to him and all these kinds of things um eventually people write uh a a big letter to the pope um about uh about why he's great and like they they allegedly they say there's a couple all these miracles that he's done and they talk about his virtues and stuff okay fine you know like exactly dear dear mr pope gregory the ninth how do you say ninth in latin again Mm, ninth anyway (laughs) um so uh so they're doing that and uh uh and okay so everything's fine one small problem at the time period, um, there's this big thing that has been growing since like the middle of the 12th century and had just he- hit this huge explosion um, called Catharism, like the Cathars, um, which was this, uh, uh, it was, it was the, the biggest, hottest heresy ever to hit uh, Western Europe honestly um so like uh it had this really stark idea that the that the body and the material world is like literally evil like evil evil literally evil and that only the spiritual only the spirit is good uh and that there are these like particular people um who uh like who are the chosen ones the pure ones um who like literally by eating certain foods like digest in their body and release particles of light that have been in particles of spirit that have been imprisoned in the in the evil prison of matter oh, this is some scientology crap it's actually very like i yeah there's a lot of scientology here in fact where scientology has a lot of this in fact um 
so there's all this stuff um it might i mean it sounds mercifully it sounds pretty silly to us right now but this was a really 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 big deal it took over uh, a lot of um southern france and then a lot of northern italy uh the dominicans actually in a very real way were founded to like combat this heresy and the fact that you never heard of them just saying um <laughs> job the, uh, well done job well done high five guys um eat up those steaks boys we're having a grill having some grills so we would, so this was a really big deal and it's a it's a really seriously evil thing people would starve themselves to death people would like all this kind of it was like a really this is a really dangerous like no kidding around very evil kind of kind of thing that was that was very big okay um so armano Sometime pretty shortly after he's died, um, a Dominican dun, da, da, inquisitor da, 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 comes onto the scene and is like, and just, you know, everyone, like, oh, please just everyone just imagine Father Gabriel in like a big metal, like be gone thought style Templar <laughs> helmet for the. I yeah, I would appreciate that, actually. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. I'm going to stay short, though. <laughs> I feel that adds to the threateningness. Yeah, but you we'll know? put you on a like a cartoonishly large horse. Thank you. Small but mighty. Mm, yes, exactly. Right. That would be great. Um, and uh, okay, so so this so this Dominican whose name this is hilarious. Says this is his real name. This is one word. Aldebrandinus. Um, he shows up and he starts like tag talking around a little bit about Armano. Uh, and he's like, guys, that's so cool. Tell me about this like new holy saint you've got around here. And they're like, oh my gosh, Armano, he's the best, you know. <laughs> they're talking about this, and like he did these things, and like, oh my gosh, you know. Um, he's like, that's cool, that's cool, that's cool, that's cool. Listen, he was a Cathar. Oh, he that's like bad. Aldo Brandinos finds out that he lived and died a Cathar. He always was. He always Just like a was full, full on starve yourself i'm full of magic light hardcore evil heretic guy 100 literally all of the above like the body is evil i am i uh my body produces like magical uh magical light particles sets sets uh sets sets spirit free from body um like uh genuinely like this whole evil thing uh this this is this is how he lived and he died right okay um so uh so the so the inquisitor when he when he shows that this is like that this is in fact the case they what that he was always a cathar the town is like um not though yeah but just no just no 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 and it's in that context that that this group of priests actually write to the pope and they're just like oh my gosh he's saying he's he's talking so much smack about saint armano but like listen he's this incredibly holy thing but it's incredible because they literally just basically like copy paste they like pull up they like they pull up google it's it's like it's like an assignment that you give to like a uh like a college freshman it's like yeah write you know write a, a life of saint armano which is you know at like three in the morning uh they just like put google and they're just like what makes a saint a saint and they're like uh he was good to people and he <laughs> uh hailed somebody and then like uh my mom lost her cat and he found her <laughs> you know it's, a, it's like at that level of like totally made up but they're trying to be really earnest about it because they really think he's a saint you know um and they're so they're like yeah he's definitely definitely saying we just got to find saintly things to attribute to him so we can convince the pope that he 
is this that despite the fact that he was this like really serious heretic who rejected all the teachings of christianity like they don't believe that christ had a body they don't believe that christ was god i mean like they they reject literally you know everything about christianity you were kind enough to sort of (laughs) you know i'm often the one who is reminding us that like hey there we have like non-catholic listeners this podcast we have to sort of round off our bases and you you actually did it this time at the beginning of the episode where you were you you actually before we defined fake saints you actually defined real saints and i appreciate that but i i want to really put a fine point on this that like there is this stereotypical idea that heretics are just anyone who disagrees with catholicism and that's who we label people we disagree with but like heresies in fact have extremely torturous, horrifying practical outcomes, like people intentionally sort of um, sacramentalizing anorexia and starving themselves to death, right? So these are actual real threats to society and mental Mm -hmm. health and spirituality and all these things. And they just happen to come with this philosophy that's completely gonzo banana pants. Yeah. Yeah, basically so. So like, and this is really a big deal. Listen, it takes more than 30 years to convince somebody to take this seriously it's aldebrandinos dies before he can convince that he spent he spends like 20 years trying to convince the pope that this guy is like not only a fake saint but that he's actually like a bad dude and he mm. dies before before like he can get it through this is why i say like this the, the church is actually really 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 cautious in investigating these things both in saying yes and in saying no mm-hmm. um it's not until 1301 right so that's 32 years after this guy dies and his revere starts being revered as a saint that finally um boniface the eighth the guy from saint nemo actually the same guy um uh gives aldebrandinus's successor permission to like officially declare that this guy is not a saint um and and now you do need to know this is this is um this is the very beginning of the 14th century and the way that you declare that somebody's officially not a saint is you don't just like put a bunch of notices around town because that's not going to work so they exhumed him burned his body and scattered his ashes <laughs> as one does this. you know as one does the, i love the medieval thing of like we need to cancel this person so let's remove them like there's isn't there a pope that they exhumed his body and then put him like put the dead body on trial and like an altar attendant puppeted his skeleton like from behind yeah 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 so yeah, yeah, defend yeah, yeah, himself. yeah yeah they were like we need to give the guy a fair shake so let's exhume him and just use his body as a puppet and we gotta, then, use, we gotta put him on trial yeah they put him on trial exactly yeah yeah and then, uh-huh. and then then let's convict him for being a heretic because at least then he can say his piece when we use his body as a puppet i love that the medievals just needed to do this it's so charming and crazy and ghoulish and the intention the, the amazing thing here too is that like this is this is a person who like had denied the the reality of the body denied the existence of the body the goodness of the body all these kinds of things and ultimately the pun the punishment um i mean it's not a punishment for him it's it's uh it's a it's a warning to other people not to take seriously as a saint um is to destroy his body oh that's really just pretty wild right right yeah if you live your whole life denying the body like we need to make a witness out of this by not symbolically you... enacting the thing that he actually believed so in fact right. it's like literally an exact an example of like what christians mean by like uh by hell in fact is not that god looks down and is like oh, i hate you you said mean things to your grandmother once when you were five and so you go to hell it's that like 
that you just kind of get what you want. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and like in a weird, in a, and I'm not saying this man is in hell, you know, maybe God have mercy on him, but like, um, but there is a re this is the, a dramatically literal symbolic enactment of the way in which like he, he spent his life believing that the body was not good and strictly evil and should just be discarded and thrown away as garbage. Uh, and so, um, people having been misled by him, uh, they enact that on his body. So this is totally side note, but um, I'm obsessed with uh, Roald Dahl, who's the author, like wrote Willy Wonka and all those great, like very dark British children's stories. And very dark. Ta- yeah. And Taika Waititi, who is you know a filmmaker who I love. Father Gabriel and I were recently talking about this off air. Um, Netflix bought the rights to every single Roald Dahl book. What? And, um, is creating an interconnected Roald Dahl universe and Taika Waititi is going to direct the entire thing. So there's like rumors that um, what's his name from Jurassic Park? Um, what's his name? Uh, Jeff Goldblum is going to be the new Willy Wonka and all kinds of different things like this. So it's going to be crazy, but I've been, because of my excitement for this, because I actually found out about this, um, everybody knows big theme park fan theme park insider release that Netflix actually wants to create a raw doll theme park, um, which is going to be be insane. And you can actually go inside the peach and James and the giant peach and you can go inside the chocolate factory. It'd be insane. Um, Mm -hmm. but as I was reading through this, it was causing me to like revisit a lot of the Roald Dahl stuff. And he has these extremely ghoulish poetic ways of punishing his characters. Like, I mean, take Willy Wonka, <laughs> you know, it's like, Oh, you know, she blew bubble gum too much. So now she's going to become bubble gum. Like mm-hmm. this kid, <laughs> this kid only watched TV. So now he's going to go die inside a TV. You know what I mean? Like, it's just <laughs> so kind of literal. And I feel like, this is a long way around to saying, I feel like that's, uh, that was the church's response to this. It was just like, what's the most poetic justice, almost two on the nose way we can declare <laughs> this guy a heretic? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For, for, for Boniface VIII, there is no such thing as two on the nose. This no, is kind of no jail. subtlety with, with this guy, and I love it. I'm here for it. For having such a, an Oopa Loompa-ish name. I can't think of a more fitting way to dispose of his body. Oh, yeah, you're right. We <laughs> went full circle here because we started <laughs> saying he was St. Ongolopa and we ended by saying he was killed Willy Wonka style. Oompa loompa We spread your ashes because that's what you want. Okay, listen. I'm going to make sure that you get hired to write songs for this new series. This is important. Yes. Do you mean the new Willy Wonka series or do you mean the St. Hermano series that you are going to personally produce, Father Cameron? Also possibly that, yeah. Yeah. Produce, uh, write, direct, star, co-star. You're going to Tommy Wiseau this. You're just like, hello, I I am St. Hermano, cool American guy. (laughs) Hello. I did not hit her. I did not. Oh my God. We started off referencing Anna Delvey. Now we're doing Tommy Wiseau. There's a whole kind of subtle undercurrent of modern fraudsters here as well. Mm. Wow. I really like that. I, okay. I think I have the perfect response to this though. So my third in my category is probably my favorite of all of these. Um, he was the first fake saint that I was aware of. Okay. Um, let me open this, this story for you this way. Picture a young Jakey. He's a chubby little nugget. He's sad. He hasn't got any friends because all the little little scroops on his street pick on him for reading Harry Potter because he's going to go to hell for reading Harry Potter. He's going to go to hell for reading Harry Potter, they say, and I should read Lord of the Rings instead, which I still have not done 
because I'm completely defined by my trauma. I, I can't, <clears throat> I can't fathom a world where you get made fun of for not for reading Harry Potter. No, we, we I've now lived through two different versions of cancellation of, of Harry <laughs> Potter because when I was a kid, conservatives said I shouldn't read it because it was satanic. And now that I'm an adult, liberals say I shouldn't read it because JK Rowling is a, tr- a trans exclusionary radical feminist. So <laughs> we live in a very, in a world Every, that has becomes very full circle subtle and disturbing nuanced. way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah very disturbing way. We, we live in a world guys that uh, has very nuanced and um, rational, <laughs> uh, calm, uh, uh, responses to children's books. Um, anyway, so I'm very, very picked on. I'm going to go to hell for reading Harry Potter and I'm reading through it and I love it. Um, cause I'm a little kid. I don't know. That's <laughs> really poorly written yet. And I, I'm, <laughs> you know, kind of processing. And then what happens? The characters go to a magical place, a magical place that validates that this can't be satanic because the wizards must actually be Christian, not just because they celebrate Christmas, but also because the wizarding hospital is St. Mungo's hospital for magical maladies and injuries. Cue me simultaneously being very, very validated uh, and also going, who is this Saint Mungo? Who is Saint Mungo, though? Google real quick. Right. And is this a real saint? Is this a fake saint? Um, turns out the answer is yes. <laughs> mm. So there is this thing mostly in like, and 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 probably this is in other countries, so I think everybody would have to correct me, but like it seems to me especially prevalent in Wales and like parts of Scotland where they're sort of England, but the church doesn't maybe have kind of the same reach and they're super, super folkloric in the middle ages. And so they have these saints, but like, and there's definitely historical evidence that this person existed. Like, it's not sort of like, Oh, maybe a person existed and we just apply this name to him. Like there's definitely historical evidence that most of these Welsh saints with these crazy long names that you can't pronounce maybe probably did exist but almost everything we know about them short of like where they were born and where they died and where they built their church are like entirely fabricated using the tropes of traditional Scotch Irish folklore. Mm. Okay. And you, there's literally like 500 examples. I mean, there's so many of these people and they're some of my favorite saints. Cause they're always the ones who like, I, I slew a dragon by giving him apples. You know, I, um, <laughs> There's this Dragons one. Hate apples. Right, right. There's this one, and I'll bring her up in the in the Easter Bunny episode that I inevitably want to do. Maybe not this year, but mm. another year, um, where she's this amazing saint who, you know, kind of the classic trope of I'm a princess, kind of like 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 Thicla or Thecla, where she's like I'm a princess and <laughs> I, was okay. Right. I, I just I've now memorized it as that. And I can't get it out of my head. Um, but sort of like this, where she um she's this princess and she says, I don't want to be a princess, I want to be free, I want to be a nun. So she takes off all her clothes and just come becomes a naked wild nun in the forest and lives there 
and all of the forest animals love her. And this becomes like a proto snow white where she just lives in the forest and she's super hot supposedly. And she's naked and she just like feeds animals out of her hands and prays the rosary like 24 seven and meditates on the mm. face of Christ. And then this super hot prince is like riding on a hunt, a rabbit hunt through the forest and all the rabbits are scared of him. So they run up to her for protection and he ends up finding her cause he's following the rabbits and he goes, Holy smokes, this girl is the hottest girl ever. And he tells her, like, I will do anything for you because you're so freaking hot. She says, I want you to build me a church. And so she he builds her a convent just because oh. he has to make good in his word. And she, like, gets hundreds of women, according to folklore, who all are in, like, loveless marriages or who, who don't like their lot in life to come and become nuns in her order. And so it's this very proto-feminist kind of snow white thing. And probably she existed. I mean, her convent is there. It's been named after her since the beginning and all this stuff. But, but like how much of that is folklore, how much of it is not? Well, St. Mungo is this on steroids. St. Mungo is the coolest thing. So St. So, hold on. So this is St. Mungo, Harry Potter. Yes. Yes. Universe. All right. Right. All right. So St. Mungo did, did ostensibly exist. Okay. In the, so, outside of the Harry Potter universe. Outside either. of the Harry Potter universe. He did. Mm -hmm historically ostensibly <clears throat> exist so i'm um, trying to find where exactly he is yes yeah, so he is in wales and um mungo can also be um supposedly his his but it, mungo is the welsh but the but the kind of traditional name name is also Kentigern. That's supposedly mm. what his baptismal name is. So you can call him Mungo or Kentigern. And he um primarily is known to have worked in Scotland. Um mm. Hogwarts in the Harry Potter series is basically set in Scotland. Um and so, you know, Scottish spirituality, J.K. Rowling is a Scottish Presbyterian. Um so Scottish uh, medieval spirituality is very, very, very heavily represented in the Harry Potter novels. And there are a lot of little churches um, and actual hospitals in, in Scotland, apparently named for St. Mungo. Um, but beyond the cultural applications, you can make a very compelling argument that this guy does, at least by the folklore associated with him, fit in very, very, very nicely with the Harry Potter series for a couple of reasons. Okay. So, we're going to go in order of the reasons that I think are coolest. So there is historical evidence that he and a guy called St. Columba, who was sort of considered the St. Patrick of Scotland and who was a real mm. person, were very close friends. Um, and mm. there, there's historical evidence that they met shortly before um, St. Mungo died, probably of stomach cancer, um, and that they actually exchanged crosiers out of their, like, respect for each other's ministries they'd never met they've been pen pals they exchange croziers and then go in their separate ways and like mungo maybe dies like a couple months later all right so but saint columba again is one of these saints that totally real but a lot of folklore is applied including the very first medieval reference or the very first historical reference at all to the loch ness monster <laughs> is yes. assigned to St. Columba where St. Columba's crossing Loch Ness. Loch Ness monster tries to jump out and eat one of his like, I don't know, altar boys, monk servants, like one of his little people. Yeah, don't that do that. That's not cool. And That's he, not like, cool. He like raises the crucifix and like banishes the Loch Ness monster. And that's the first time we have any reference to a creature looking like what we traditionally think of the Loch Ness monster is looking like referenced in anything anywhere, right? So most Loch Ness monster legends actually date back to this apocryphal story of St. Mm. Columba. Um, so that's the first thing. 
that's very Harry Potterish about Saint Mungo. He's really tight pen pals with Saint Columba, the Loch Ness monster saint. Second thing about Saint Mungo that's very very Harry Potterish. There is an old Welsh poem that describes the four miracles for which he's known, and it is the most like pagan sing song dance around the maypole thing i have ever heard in catholicism it goes like this here is the bird that never flew here is the tree what never grew here is the bell that never rang here is the fish that never swam swang right and the fish never and these swam. are the these are the right these are the four <laughs> miracles and they're not miracles there's like almost <coughs> nothing spiritual about these things they're they're very much like old welsh kind of um, like kooky lady who lives on top of the mountain, giving you folk cures kinds of things. Right. So the first is Mungo is a little boy in school and his classmates who are all bullies. They throw a rock at a Robin and kill it. And out of his sensitivity, mm -hmm. he resurrects the Robin. So that's the first thing. Here is the bird that never flew. Mm -hmm. um, then there's that Mungo has been left uh, in charge of the fire in the monastery, like the fire in the fireplace, keeping it, going because this is something that happens before you know electric heat you got to assign someone to keep mm -hmm. the fire going all the time and he <clears> falls asleep because he's a young kid he's kind of you know kind of lazy kind of you know cheeky feller he falls asleep um but it's okay because he magically slash with grace just lights the fire again yes. fire. wait up. this is wait a second mm. Does does he say does he say a Harry Potter word like <laughs> Illumino or something? Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Does he mispronounce? Does he horribly butcher and mispronounce Latin in order to cast fire? Who knows? Lost to history, but he does lost to history. Cast this fire. The Scottish were really good at Latin, so probably he probably he probably had good Latin. Right. Well, fair enough. The bell is which is referenced in the poem. That's the next thing. The bell that never rang um, is thought to have been brought. Um, by St. Mungo when he visited Rome. That probably didn't actually happen. Um, <gasps> but he he brings this bell um, to Rome that had never been used, basically, and he brings it, so it never rang. Um, and this is like this great gift for which he's known. Not really a miracle, but just one of the things in his poem. And then the fourth one is this classic, like, you see this as a fairy tale motif that occurs over and over again. It obviously... Um, is an homage to an actual miracle of Christ that happens in the gospels. But basically um, there's this queen who is ex uh, suspected of, of cheating on her husband. Her husband expects her or suspects her of cheating on him. So he demands to see her ring, which he, he assumes she's given to her guy on the side. And, but it turns out he's actually trying to frame her so he can like go off and marry some other chick. He's just trying to frame her for infidelity so he can get a divorce. And he has actually thrown the ring into the river so that when he asks her, well, if you're not cheating on me, show me your ring. She can't produce it because he's thrown it into the river. Um, she gets sentenced to execution so that he can go marry some, you know, itty bitty. And she appeals to her confessor, St. Mungo, who then miraculously catches the fish and guts it and finds the, the ring inside. Um, does this does this happen in the chamber of secrets because it kind of <laughs> yeah. sounds like it does is right it really could right like again when you begin to understand that jk rowling is scottish uh, presbyterian and you begin to understand like these <laughs> scottish like folkloric faith motifs that are happening you realize there are allusions to this unintentional 
and, and intentional all over the Harry Potter books. They're very richly based in Scottish, um, Catholic and Protestant folklore, pre pre Protestant folklore. Um, and, and again, this is, this is, this fish one, especially is a motif that occurs in fairy tales all the time. I mean, obviously, you know, we have this story in the gospels where Christ, um, you know, sends Peter, Peter catches the fish, finds the coins inside the fish, and it's just exactly the amount they need. But then, then you see this happening all the time, magic ring and you know, found inside a fish to pay off the king, to pay off the dowry, to prove your innocence. Sometimes they talk to the fish, right? This is a very, very, very common motif. And it, and a, a, one of the first times it appears folklorically is attributed to St. Mungo. So that's the second thing. That little poem of the miracles is the second thing that makes him really, really Harry Potterish. But here's where it totally cinches it and becomes the most Harry Potterish thing you've ever heard. Mungo. So you have to understand. Side note: the 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 book that we consider King Arthur is really a collection of fan fictions written over several centuries right? Like we start off with the central idea of who King Arthur is, and then different generations add other characters, other knights, the round table that they, that they want. So it sort of fills out his gang as more and more people add their own two cents. Merlin is a relatively late addition, but the wizard Merlin, who is referenced constantly in Harry Potter, um, and there's even an order of Merlin and, you know, he's, he's this very respected sort of figure whose shadow is over the whole Harry Potter series. Merlin does um, have folklore about him not relating to King Arthur going all the way back to pre-Christian Middle Ages. And there's some belief that he was a historical figure that then gets retconned into, um, into, the, into the Arthurian legend later on. Mungo battles Merlin. What? There's this very, very, very famous section for anybody who knows about Mungo at all. So there's this, there's this 15th century manuscript, which is generally referred to as Lalakin and Kentigern. So Kentigern again is Mungo's sort of considered baptismal name. Mungo goes into battle against Merlin, who in this is referred to as Lalakin or Lalakin. Um, and they, and, and Mungo comes up on top, conquers, conquers Merlin. Um, Mungo. Merlin is this really interesting figure side note again, where um, he is, if, if anybody's ever seen the movies or read the comics of Hellboy, right. Um, you'll be very familiar with basically Hellboy is a modern version of Merlin where Merlin is supposedly he's in the folklore. He's born and meant to be the antichrist. And then his mom baptizes him. So she claims him for Christ. So he has all the powers of a prince of hell, but is a good person. And then he gives him his life to the priesthood and becomes what's known as the mad monk or the mad prophet. And is this kooky sort of like half mystic, half priest, half confessor, half wizard that accompanies Arthur on all his adventures. Um, and, and Lelican slash Merlin is referred to even back then as this mad wandering monk who wears giant, you know, reeds on his head and casts spells, but is also technically Christian. And so Mungo basically defeats this guy in battle, um, ostensibly before, before Merlin converts maybe. So super crazy. The, again, there is historical evidence that this person existed, that this person mattered, that this person did found an abbey, that this person did convert a lot of people in this part of Scotland, and yet everything associated with him is crazy, 
Harry Potter folkloric mumbo jumbo to the degree that he battles Merlin and finds a magic ring inside a fish. And I just love this so much, both because of the implications for the Harry Potter universe, that there are these, you know, Christian monks having magic in the world. And also just the fact that this is actually a canonically real saint with so much of his stuff being totally fairy tale-ish. That was probably a bit, longer pitch than I needed, but I just love him so, so much. That like bizarrely in all of this gets like, uh, that just, I'm, I'm sure by complete accident, uh, from Rowling gets picked up and inserted into these, into these books, you know, uh, in this totally like random sort of way. Um, just because it, if you pick it, if you pick a real, this is a funny thing about, about Harry Potter is that like, if you pick a real medieval sounding name, it probably is gonna be a saint, <laughs> you know, like you probably don't, you don't, you probably don't know it, but if it's a, if it's actually a real name that like sounds kind of funny because we don't use it anymore because it's so medieval, it probably is a real person and it's probably a saint. Like there well, is, she does to her credit, she refers name. to the hospital as Saint Mungo's hospital, mm. right? So he's a saint even within the world of Harry Potter. And who knows, she could, she could have known some of this in theory. I mean, again, there are lots of parishes, both, both Presbyterian and Catholic dedicated to his name um and his his folklore especially the merlin stuff is is there so it's it's possible that she could have known this um but again i just love it so i'm gonna have to give it to mr mungo whoa 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 that fast are you serious come on i think so i think pokey lupo i think saint (laughs) Purple Nerfle. Purple Nerfle. Humpty Dumpty, come on, man. <laughs> he wasn't even... I mean, he, well... Alright, so this was a real person. Um, was it Mungo? I mean, Mungo was arguably well, question mark real. Could be. Well, that's the thing. It's like, it's a fake saint battle. So that's the hard thing, right? It's I know. Like, the, there it's, was a it's, person it's, maybe it's, sort of called Mungo. Right. Is, Did he's he author, do is, is, any of the things that he's being, that are being claimed? Is he the wizard in Harry Potter? Certainly not. Almost certainly not. I mean, maybe he fought a historical Merlin. I would love to believe that's true. I think that's There's the no most historically credible true. single piece of his story um, right, is that probably. he fought Merlin. I think that seems, that just seems, yeah. you know, that seems credible. Yeah, that's on his Tinder profile. <laughs> it's like brought a fish back to life, fought Merlin, entrepreneur. Mentioned in Harry Potter by name, NBD. Also, yeah. big fan of The Office. Big fan. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> All right. I, yeah, no, I'm sticking with I'm sticking with Mr. Mungo. Okay. I explain love, why. I love the idea. I mean, the story is just incredible. I mean, you can't beat that. That's yeah. You mentioned this was maybe your favorite saint uh, on your on your list. Yes, it's pretty badass. So um, yeah, I- I'm leaning towards right. him. Just well, just and now we can all convince alone. our Christian parents that that Harry yeah. Potter is holy to read because mom has got a saint in it so it's fine <laughs> it's got a real saint and by the way he battled merlin actually maybe you shouldn't press on the whole battling merlin thing because doesn't that technically sort of suggest that like if he if he's a saint and he fought merlin and defeated him then doesn't an order named after merlin be like an order named after the devil yeah you know but you're also assuming that christian mom's 
think really deeply about these things. Mm, yeah. I don't think mm. the kinds of Christian moms we're talking about, mm-hmm. generally speaking, do. There are Christian moms listening who are not like that, but the stereotypical capital C Christian, capital M <laughs> mom, TM, does not think that deeply about what we're talking about. <laughs> struggles. <laughs> struggles all wanna, around. I don't want to bash my parents, but they didn't even know that she was Christian, JK Rowling. Christian. I don't think most people do. Yeah. Yeah. They just assumed she was a witch. A witch? Yeah. It's a witch co-after. But I love that, like, like, I mean, there are a lot of people who hate Twilight, us included. And, no, and I like it. Rightfully. Oh, okay, fair mm-hmm. enough. But but uh, <laughs> no one would think that Stephanie Meyer was a vampire. Like, it's insane to think that just because you wrote about something necessarily, you are that thing. I don't understand. I mean, that could get us into a whole other conversation. Oh, yeah, we got to talk I'm about ba- created I'm things. I'm baffled by this. Um, yeah, actually, no, hysteria. you're right. Thank you for reminding me. <laughs> yeah, thank you. No, you're you're right to remind me of the created things, uh, the title of this this uh, podcast, because um, we are, jeez, we've been talking a long time, um, and we have gotten uh, through three rounds of Saints. Here we got one more round to go and then we're going to figure out who the best one is but that means we're basically you know looking at the end of the tunnel here so that means it's about time to give a shout out to our proud patron um catholic creatives and catholic.store um we are of course the podcast created things brought to you by catholic creatives and catholic.store uh catholic creatives for its part is an organization dedicated to igniting a new renaissance of faith as it were uh through prayer beauty and the creative spirit And to do this, they connect and support and promote artists, innovators, makers, and storytellers across the faith. Uh, But it takes a a community to bring these ideas to life, right? So by supporting our Patreon, uh, the Patreon for this podcast, you not only help us on this podcast to bring in awesome guests and to keep doing what we're doing, but you also contribute directly to future workshops, summits, uh, and, and just general resources meant to support Catholic artists around the country while getting an inside track on these activities with access to our member-only Facebook group. So to join, uh, we encourage you to visit catholiccreatives.org forward slash support. Uh, and in addition, you can support us another way by going and checking out some of those beautiful products that are for sale, uh, created by Catholic creatives, makers, artisans, and other artists. And those can be found at catholic.store. Don't, don't give your money to the man, to big tech conglomerates or any of those kinds of things. Support independent artists, support Catholic artists um, locally by shopping at catholic.store today. All right. So I'm, I'm liking this so far back, back to the topic at hand. I'm liking this because I won round one with St. Batman and then you won round two, Father Gabriel with St. Nemo. Rightly, and I just won yes. with Saint Mungo. Yeah, which was which unjust. Means, um, I dispute. Right, um, we, right. I, 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 I tried to, I tried to, I tried to push the ref, but he turned out to be in a different room, in a different city, and it didn't really work. Uh, so I just, I just hurt myself, um, which is fine. Um, but I, I hold resentment very deeply. Yeah, well, it's okay. I mean, again, we're Catholic. That's that's. Yeah, it all seems mean. kind of it's kind of part mm-hmm. of the divorce, you know. It's on brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, good. Yeah, good. I'm all, yeah, I feel like they were it's just cool. airing out all our religious trauma here. Well, here's the thing. If someone's listened to this point in the podcast, <laughs> like if that, they've gotten so far through six fake saints, <laughs> so if they've gotten this far, they're ready for us to just like 
put all our dirty laundry on the lawn. They're probably they're like, absolutely. <laughs> they probably want to lay them out. They're probably in the comments like, "Oh yeah, my mom hated Harry Potter too." Oh. Yeah. Why is he like the deepest Texan? Why is our one listener the deepest possible Texan? Hey, there are great. Uh, there are great people from Texas who listen to our podcast. Okay. There are actually, there. in fact, it seems like kind of maybe the majority of our listenership is probably in Texas, but that's another story. <laughs> so that leads us to, um, yeah, round round four and the the final round before we decide who is the winner of all of these things. So drum roll, <laughs> Father Gabriel. I bring to you your for your consideration, Saint Javelin. Okay, so Saint <laughs> Javelin. Um, female saint um recognized most distinctly by iconography so um it's a veiled woman uh in a green garment that sort of drapes her whole person um in a a physically um sort of half seated in a pose with her um torso sort of bent over slightly or head slightly inclined in a pose that will be very familiar uh to anybody who's seen um various icons of like the um uh compassionate or merciful mother um of the virgin you know for the virgin mary um most especially distinct like the the visual representation is most especially just um rep- um reminiscent of the virgin mary but it could be uh, reminiscent of other other uh, female saints as well um so a uh, large green garment sort of covering every uh, uh draping her um she has a a blue halo which is distinctive that the halo itself is blue um and then on either side of her slightly uh cocked head are two descending stylized doves in yellow so far this sounds like really traditional imagery yeah some of the some of the color some of the colorations are a little bit distinct um uh again there's something distinctive about this saint because this is represented primarily by um iconography um for reasons that will eventually become clear um on the face there's this very strong um distinctive look of mercy and compassion that again seems to be um hearkening back to some of these particular uh traditional i icon styles of depicting the merciful mother um i there is a little bit of dispute about um whether the figure is primarily supposed to be representing um, mary magdalene or whether it's primarily supposed to be representing mary the mother of jesus um if it is supposed to be representing mary magdalene it's it would be very unconventional iconography kind of from from top to bottom of it it's it's more like traditional iconography for for uh, mary the mother of jesus uh particularly again as like compassionate and uh a little bit sorrowful um so so far so pretty much normal um just very standard kind of iconography um some very slight uh alterations of the coloration which when you're you know which catch stand out nonetheless but still it's mostly just coloration alterations um un- until you get to the point where in these in these images of the sorrowful mother or the compassionate mother, often the tilt of the head and the sort of half seated position um, is because she has the Christ child um, in her lap uh, in one position or another. And often the tilt of the head is actually to press her cheek against his or to press her head against his. Um, this is what lends this very distinctive and very intimate feel to the image. So St. Javelin... Um, um, has all of that only what's on her lap is a rocket launcher 
Oh Hell my yeah, god, brother! Hell yeah! So that's exactly <laughs> oh, yeah. it. Yeah. So, uh, so it's it's just exactly what it sounds like. Um, so it's this image of what is really a sort of um, and suddenly everything becomes clear, right? Because uh, the blue halo with the yellow descending doves, uh, the descending stylized doves are um. Ukraine, the Ukrainian, a Ukrainian national symbol, uh, and they are yellow, and the halo is blue. Um, so the halo around the figure itself represents the Ukrainian flag, um, and uh, the the rocket launcher that she holds is the javelin rocket launcher. Uh, it's it's the name of a rocket launcher. Um, many of which come from the states. I don't I don't know 100 if it's an American made rocket launcher or not. I'm afraid. My knowledge of the different species and breeds of rocket launchers is not quite as excellent uh, as it as it perhaps could be, but, uh, right, but not as much as your medievalism. Yeah, sadly, sadly, I know, but we have to we have to launcher. pick expertise, you know, and that's just not mine. Right. Um, it is so the the image is um is hot off the press. Actually, uh, I decided I would bring this in as my as my fourth saint, just in case on the very off chance I didn't see this coming that maybe I would be like down one to two. You know, I didn't see this coming, but I thought maybe just on the off chance if I were, uh, I'd come in with a very different kind of fake saint, which was my first three were these very old kind of medievally uh, early Christian and the medievally ones. Uh, but this one is hot off the presses. So Saint Javelin is about um. Well, at the time of recording, uh, about three weeks old, um, less actually about two weeks old, um, because, uh, so the St. Javelin image is just an image. There's no story. There's no, uh, narrative. Mm. There's no biography. It's just an image. Um, it was made by Canadian artist, Christian Boris, um, uh, as an immediate kind of response to the Russian invasion of Ukraine, um that he that he proposed um uh he's sort of incorporating these ideas about uh like eastern christianity iconography with um uh the defense of ukraine with the way in which particularly like rocket launchers are playing this, this incredibly large uh part in um ukrainians defending their independence uh against the invasion um and then also like these rocket launchers being being given to uh to ukraine um by other countries uh among you know among other things um so he so he made this image very very quickly um like uh, it appears to be basically his first reaction to to to, to the invasion of Ukraine, um, and he just calls the image Saint Javelin, protector of Ukraine, um, and that's it. Uh, mm-hmm. On his website, there's uh, there's no explanation of the image. There's no nothing. There's no story. There's no unlike our other um, fake saints. There is no imagined backstory. Um, he does not um, like our Finnish Saint Patrick. Um, uh, he does not give saint javelin like an imagined backstory he doesn't invent a person to populate this image it's just this um sort of pastiche image of like the mother of jesus as a compassionate and sorrowful mother um cradling a rocket launcher um christian boris had a had a pre-existing relationship with uh with ukraine and with um uh uh ukraine war relief specifically so he um he had done various things uh, for a long time working with um with a war relief charity um that's actually quite beautiful like looking to give um uh 
education to um, war orphans and then like, you know, uh, counseling and and therapy and healing and stuff for for uh, veterans with PTSD and these kinds of things. I think it was originally associated with a 2014 invasion of Crimea um, and other things like that. But um, I he said that originally he had designed the image just hoping to um, make, you know, 500 bucks that he could donate to this charity because he realized how how absolutely critical um particularly the work of this charity was going to be going forward um in two weeks it's made over six hundred and fifty thousand dollars. oh my gosh yeah Wait, so like, with, like merch like merch like, how is it made merch so the merch is buying like t-shirts and uh yeah there's every at this point there's everything like um the, the I, I found out about this shortly after after uh, it went live um and like every day it like quadruples you know um the amount of merch and everything that's available um and um uh so it's pretty it's pretty astounding i mean you there's there's direct donation possibilities as well so i don't i don't know what proportion of this is is from sure, merch sure, and what proportion sure. of it is direct donation but presumably most of it's from merch um so yeah but this is but this is the thing so this is um this it's it's about a two-week-old fate state with uh with no backstory no history and no nothing um that uh that has a really distinctive visual iconography that the that is like the one thing the virgin mary basically never has under any circumstances ever which is a weapon right <laughs> and, right. and not just any weapon but a rocket launcher so well if you're gonna have if if after you know two thousand years of iconographic tradition mary's gonna break habit and get a weapon like <laughs> you could do worse yeah it's like launcher. here's what here's what i'm gonna do hon i'm just gonna grab this me might not, a rocket launcher. i was gonna say i was gonna say this might not be a funny enough story for me to even ask about but i'm just curious when you say you found out about it almost as soon as it went live that implies to me someone very urgently texted you about it. That is exactly what happened. Yes. <laughs> yes. Somebody, somebody, uh, somebody immediately and very urgently knew this was something that I needed to know. Um, as I'm like, <laughs> so uh, like, Oh my gosh, there's a fake saint. This is yeah. either wonderful or terrible. Other <laughs> Gabriel needs to know about it. Right. Now. <laughs> uh, yes, that is, that is like basically exactly what happened. Yes. In fact. Um, so yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, uh, basically immediately after this went public, um, one of, one of my friends, uh, was scouring the internet for me in a free and totally unpaid manner. Uh, and was like, Oh my gosh, you have to see this. This is insane. And here it is. You know, I want to, I'm curious what your thoughts are, Kyle. I'm like, on the one hand, obviously it's great that they're raising money for mm -hmm. people who are victims here. But on the other hand, there's such a rich, rich Christian Christian tradition in Ukraine of all these amazing saints. And as you point out, Father Gabriel, this really rich, you know, iconograph iconographical tradition. And it makes me kind of bummed out in the same way that it kind of did with with Urho, frankly, you know. Like when I was saying that if you're going to choose a Finnish saint, why not go with mm. you know actual Saint Henry, patron saint of Finland? It, it, it kind of bums me out that it's not like one of these Ukrainian saints who are real. Pray for I don't know. I'm struggling with my feeling on this because it's obviously such a good thing, but it's obviously like such a sad, almost I don't want to say betrayal. <laughs> it's too strong a word, but like a like a cop out, like a cop out almost of of a real tradition. I don't know. What do you think, Kyle? Mm. Well, first, this is un kind of unrelated. I did want to ask this. You, you mentioned that there's never images of Mary holding a saint. I I'm recalling like, holding a weapon. Holding, holding a, weapon. a weapon. There's like an image of, of Our Lady of Guadalupe, and sometimes there's like a knife. 
involved? Am I like remembering that wrong? So, um, so you're thinking of specifically, and this was something that we were just sort of chose off air to not get into. You're thinking specifically of drug cartel reinterpretations of Our Lady of Guadalupe. <laughs> you know, so, uh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, okay. That, that would right. exactly. I've seen that, but uh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, Our Lady, then, so the iconography of Our Lady of Guadalupe, which we want to do like a series on, almost because it's so yes, amazing, yes, yes, but yes. never, never, ever includes a weapon unless. <laughs> It has been taken, and there are many, many fake saints with a whole different tapestry and vibe mm. that we're not going to get into this episode that are specifically related to cartel Catholicism, okay. and that deserves its own exploration. But that's that's what okay. you're referencing. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was searching, because I've been discerning whether I want like a another tattoo, and Our Lady of Guadalupe has been up there uh, just because her story is incredible, and when I search... Our Lady, of Gu- Our Lady of Guadalupe imagery on on the internet, you get like a, a dagger. You get a lot of like well, that. man. I mean, maybe. Yeah. I mean, so so <laughs> there is the whole a dagger will pierce her heart thing. So right. which is why I thought I I actually balked when you said that Mary's never depicted with a weapon because I can't think of any specific examples, but I really thought that there were images where a dagger was actually piercing her heart in where where she where she's being pierced by a sword mm-hmm. sure but like but wielding like a wielding weapon one. that's different you know okay um, okay so that's, that's yeah yeah no her, her okay. being pierced by a dagger pierced by a sword there's like the mm-hmm. like the seven sorrows uh visual tradition where there'll be like seven little daggers around her heart and these kinds of things um that stuff yeah, is, that stuff the, is common for the dwarves one, one for each of the dwarves. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's the, the sleepy mm-hmm. one is the worst. Um, I, <laughs> but um, that th- that's the idea exactly that um, that she's never seen de- like wielding or using a weapon yeah. of her own or even really holding one. Um, so like, yeah, I would, would not go down the realm of getting a tattoo from a cartel tradition. I'm just going to say because they kind <laughs> of worship the actual devil. I mean, just put it out there. But Although, um, I will say, well, this is why I, I, I haven't gotten the tattoo either because <laughs> it's just that's like right. so much. Research. So much this is, it's so like it's, stuff. So it's, it's like getting a it's like getting Japanese Japanese character tattoos. Like PS, yeah. basically, basically, don't do it unless you ask me for late. And I'll tell you won't. The late night comedian John Oliver has started doing this bit that I want to rip off and claim as my own, but I won't. Where he just randomly will do ad reads for the Similina cartel. And, oh my gosh! And they're like absolutely not sponsoring it. Like, if you want the best quality cocaine on the market, you cannot do better than the Similina cartel. <laughs> and it, it's so funny and i feel like we just boarded into that door where it's just like it's just like if you want saint iconography you cannot do better than the similina cartel oh my god no but but back to what we're saying here i mean what do you think of that that dichotomy i'm talking about i i mean i don't know like I, i i get what you're saying it kind of borders on maybe doing a bad thing to like create good or to like fuel good, but also, you know, a saint that's in support of the defense of Ukraine makes sense right now. So it's, I, I don't know. I don't know anything about the artist or his intentions or why he did that. I kind of agree. It would be cool if they used a, a real saint, but without, you know, immediately knowing the backstory. I mean, my, my thoughts go to, it could be, you know, you know, why not? He's a real saint, but I don't know. Yeah. You know, that's it's, I, 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 I honestly, I struggled with it a lot because like, you know, like 
most people, you know, I've just been watching the invasion of Ukraine with sort of horror and, you know, Mm -hmm. offering masses nearly every day and, you know, praying for all this and all these, you know, just everything I possibly can do. Um, And like, like everybody else, like wanting to do more, like wanting to, like wanting to believe that there's anything that I could do to help, you know, like real friends, like my Dominican brothers and sisters, you know, like these people I know, you know, who are in Ukraine and, and all. Um, and I get it. Um, and, and as you say, like, the, and so I, I would never criticize me like, that and there's this beautiful that there, that there's, there's all this, all this um, support going into mm-hmm. this, what seems like a really good charity. That's beautiful. Um, but I, I do find the thing like really, it raises a lot of flags for me um, mm. because like- And not just um, Ukrainian ones. And not just Ukrainian flags. Well, actually the fact that it raises <laughs> the Ukrainian flag is already a little bit of a, a little bit of a, of a difficulty because like, um, so on a couple of levels. So one is that um, I think we have to be- uh, saints who are local to places are a really important part of Christian mm-hmm. history. Um, but the appropriation of a saint for like national causes can become really sort of <laughs> troublesome. So yeah. like um saints right, that's where the whole like get like killing drape. in the name of religion yeah, and stuff. Like that's yeah, where that starts to happen. Because like exactly because like saints don't get draped in national colors like they really don't i mean not in their iconography like if you have a statue then you might drape it with a a flag or 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 a a bunting or something like that on a national celebration I, i get that that's great but like in their iconography no right um and then in the end like i i sort of feel like that there's this sort of deep that there's this deep kind of dig in this image that like that the real salvation comes from the rocket launcher, you know, and that the oh, and that, sure, and that there's a kind of mm-hmm. like kitsch pastiche force to it that's a little bit like those, like, you know, you can find these photographs on the internet, they'll always go around on like cheap calendars, you know, from like the mall calendar store of like a bunch of nuns holding rifles, you know, where it's like the, the, the attraction to the image is this like weird contrast between like apparently religious associated women and then like, um, extreme violence. Um, and like in the end, the woman, because she's not a real woman, like, like mother of mercy has been replaced with like bearer of violence. Um, and even like well, even Christ literally has been replaced by a by rocket a rocket launcher. launcher, you know, exactly. So like, it's which like, is the biggest, like, it's not just Mary, like holding baby Jesus and in one hand is a rocket launcher, which would be a also weird and kind of bad, but would be a really interesting thing to discuss. But it's literally we swapped out, we swapped Jesus, out Jesus for a rocket launcher, which is provocative in exactly the wrong way. Yeah. And I just feel like, no, I think that's right. And I feel like in the end, you know, the success of this thing which again, like I'm grateful for, like I'm, you know, um, but, but the success of the thing is, is, is not, is because it's not a religious image. It has a sort of like a, a patina of an, of an, of a feeling of a religious image. So it's this sort of like nod to the fact that Ukraine, um, is this profoundly richly Catholic country, uh, with this mm-hmm. profoundly rich, um, iconographic tradition that's very distinctively Ukrainian. Um, Shame on you for using that word so easily when I've struggled to say it like five times so far. Iconographic. Well, what, once you get to things like <laughs> iconographical tradition, then it's all over, you know. But uh, yeah, um, 
Uh, so you sort of, so you get that. So in the end, like the woman in the figure is just kind of like a visual cipher for Ukraine. Um, ac- like, but bypassing what the figure actually, like where the figure actually gets its force. Like mm-hmm. the figure gets its force because it's the Virgin Mary, um, but in this image, the figure uh, is uh, is just a cipher for like oh Ukrainian national artistic style, and then like mm-hmm. um, and then of course we get the Ukrainian colors, uh, and then we have like the the thing that's motivating us right now, which is our desire for the defense of Ukraine, which I'm with you on hundred percent, absolutely, but it just does seem a little bit too much, kind of like the end. The actually motivating force here is like um d d um denatured like uh once religious imagery um transformed into a kind of a parody um you're using mm. a lot of big words to explain something that i think can be summarized pretty simply in in terms of this is religious cultural appropriation i mean even though it's well-intentioned religious Mm. cultural appropriation and even though we i think we would all agree especially as you know kind of artists that the term cultural appropriation is used probably way too often and too flippantly without too core of a definition i mean this is what that is right it's it's taking all the imagery and trappings of a deeply held thing a thing that is deeply held by a given culture stripping it of its meaning completely and and uh you know pirating it for for something else and in this case we're all grateful that the use is really beautiful like the something else is actually really quite decent and i think that's where the internal conflict comes from but ultimately all these words that you're using to describe the problems you have with this come down i think to to basic issues with the phenomenon of cultural appropriation this is just religious appropriation yeah that's interesting yeah that's not that's not a a strong category of thought in my mind but I, i see what you i see what you mean um yeah i see i see what you mean i think that's helpful the interesting thing is that like i mean as far as kind of post postmodern cultural con- constructions like deconstructions and reconstructions go i mean I, th- I think that kind of stuff can be really interesting um sure oh yeah definitely it's uh, obviously and so um the the tough thing is just as um if we if we've turned the thing so completely on its face that like the whole the whole structure of value that made the that makes the thing have its actual visual force have has been like inverted and pulled apart then i i just does i just i think that there is a problem here and i and, mm-hmm. and that might be what and that's me trying to put in my own words i think what you're getting at with the cultural appropriation point which is that like this has actually kind of turned the thing completely backwards uh over and around itself and it's no longer recognizable um well i mean you know so when we were um when i was in grad school for art I took my favorite class of all of them was um, this class on package design. And I would love to do like a couple episodes of oh, cool. package design because it's Me such too. a cool, cool yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, but we had a design, you know, packaging for different products, including like the final project was to basically invent our, uh, a, a brand from scratch and then design all the, like in real life, physically build out all the, the products for it. Um, and, and I designed a pasta brand that I called spaghetti Western and it was all like cowboy themed pastas um, and like a little cowboy using like spaghetti as a lasso. And I was very, very proud of it. Um, But to do this, like I went and I got a pasta box and I deconstructed it (laughs) 
And I, you know, drew out all the dimensions and I made a template in Adobe Illustrator and I put everything on that. And then I put it down again and I said, this is a pasta box. And it's like, no, that's not a pasta box. Like what you created is, is really interesting and cool. Like what I created is really interesting and cool, but it's a final project. It's an art piece. It's not a pasta box. You, you actually removed the pasta from the pasta box, the original one. And then you made this weird kind of mockery of the pasta box and look, don't get me wrong. It was a cool mockery. Like I'm proud of that mockery, but so I'm not saying it wasn't art. Obviously what I did was art, but I think on a more existential level, when you get into particularly religious appropriation, there is an emptying from the box. That is to say the imagery of the pasta that gives its identity, right? The content, the meaning that actually gives that box, its identity, gives it its form. And then like you sort of create something and you say, Oh, it's the same. It's not the same. And I think we have to be really clear about that as artists. It, it might not be wrong to do it, but you at least have to be very, very explicit about it not being the same in order for it to not be wrong. Because there are going to be a lot of people who just infer because it looks similar. Therefore, it is the same. Mm, it's a fair point. And, you know, and I think it's something to be careful about here, too, because um, or I should say, maybe I don't want to put it in that frame. Something that a, a, a further kind of complicating and interesting factor about this is that um, while there, the only image that's clearly coming to my memory of uh, the Virgin Mary engaged directly and personally in an act of violence um, visually depicted, because there's a lot of medieval stories about the Virgin Mary, like smiting people and killing people there's a there's a lot of drama um and once right. you get to, once you get to the crusades Again, it, twilight fan fiction yeah so. yeah once you get to the crusades it gets real intense um uh but um but there's this amazing uh marginalia so just like a, a, a little uh incidental um illustration that somebody wrote uh in the in the margins of a manuscript um medieval mm -hmm. manuscript that one of my friends sort of um found uh or at least popularized um which is uh, the Virgin Mary punching the devil in the face? Yeah, I've it, seen this. Yeah, just 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 a straight armed like punch in the <laughs> face. It's the most amazing thing. Um, so the notion that that, that like the Virgin Mary um, would even now again that's this, this is a bit of an unicum, you know, a bit of a one off. Um, like you're not, you know, there's not a gigantic visual tradition of this, but like mm. that, I think went really wild over the internet because it was so like i don't know like the, the religious signification of that like carries through you know mm -hmm. like and that is that is still everything that it was you know um i and i think that's for a number of reasons one is that she's sort of like punching uh and another is that like it's the devil is the direct object you know like not analogously speaking not like you know whatever but like the actual devil and she's punching the actual devil and this is like a a profession of faith actually in like um mary's incredible love for us and like how that how that all plays out and like it, and so everything works you know like it kind of it clicks on every level and um and even though this isn't like a big broad uh mode of representation in christian visual history like it's still really interesting um where i just feel like again i don't want to i i um you know, we talk a lot uh, in our in the podcast about not wanting to be sort of like 
oh, just sort of boundary setting or sort of telling, you know, like, no, 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 you've gone too far or sort of like always right. criticizing. The point of this podcast is not to say what, not to impose sort of a moralism on top of art. Mm -hmm. We're saying that's bad. So don't do that anymore. Precisely right. I just, but, but, but at the same time, we have to say what we see and, uh, and I want to love everything about this image and I, and I can't, I just, I right. just can't like I, I, I haven't bought any of this merchandise. Like I won't, I won't, I wouldn't put it on my car. You know, all these, I just, not because I don't want to support Ukraine, but because I just don't think that I can actually embrace this level of kind of like pastiche and reappropriation and redeployment of things that I think are valuable, not as formal structures of visual appearance, but valuable as like visual professions of faith yeah well and and i you know uh i shouldn't even say this because it would get us off in a different thing but i'll just keep it like a very small comment you know kyle you mentioned the what we discovered was was you know a, a cartel image of our lady of guadalupe but we haven't and, like, confirmed that. we haven't actually <laughs> bought that all right we check on that i didn't be. go get this tattoo last weekend so <laughs> right right you know. yeah fair enough no, you're gonna save that to come get, get another tattoo also, with me. You know, just because there's a dagger in it, maybe it's a holy dagger. Yeah, we'll we'll have to look into that. But regardless, <laughs> you did at least inadvertently. There's no way that's that's the case. But I'm just gonna say anyway. I did, I did not get a tattoo. <laughs> I know, I know you did. But um, what I'm trying, what am I trying to say here? You, you're distracting me now. No, I think okay. So with the with the cartel thing, like the connection here that there actually is, is like when, when fake saints go bad, right? No, when, <laughs> when, uh, when kind of this, when this trend in art or culture turns sour, it's only, it's always because of this, whether we're talking about cartel Catholicism or whether we're talking about St. Javelin or to a certain extent, it's a silly extent, but to a certain extent, St. Erho, right? Right. The saint that I already mentioned, right? This goes dark, when you remove the spirituality from the figure and replace it with anything, but especially when you replace it with violence and or patriotism, like yeah. the second you empty a saint of their meaning and say, I can just throw in gung ho, my country and also bombs and blood. You've, you've got something inherently satanic at that point because like you, and you just can't separate because you just can't separate out violence from, from a satanic thing. Like you just can't. And, and no matter how well intentioned it is, I think if we're going to put any kind of moralistic boundary or safety or bowling bumper on this topic, it would, it would probably have to be that I think is, you know, don't, don't rip a saint of its meaning and replace it with violence and, and nationalistic pride. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's fair to say. And again, like, and this is even like, you know, this is, the, the Ukrainians have have a have a just and moral right to defend themselves and use violence oh, in, the yeah. means, in the means that they do to defend their country, you know, and their independence. And so that's all. That's not putting anything weird against that. It's just that, like, yeah, as um, I, you would just think like suddenly we have changed the like how what is one weird trick to change the nature of my of my eyes uh, my saint image like well once I've taken out any Christian referent uh, and I've replaced it with with violence. I have achieved my one weird trick, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
interesting. All right, what's your what's your contender, man? What's your contender? Could we could talk about this all it, day, but what's your contender? We could. It literally could not be less of a match. I've been really yes. trying every time you mention a saint to like reorganize my fake saints to sort of be a, a point for point juxtaposition. You just we just explored something really really deep, and I'm about to pose the most shallow, stupid, aimless possible <laughs> example from my whole list, but I do love it. Um, I'm trying to think of the best way to do it. Okay. So have either of you ever been to a Chuck E. Cheese? We'll yeah, 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 yeah. All my associations with Chuck E. Cheese as a kid were that like, this is where rich kids have birthday parties, uh, which I think tells you everything that you need to know. Oh, wow. That, that does tell me a lot. Kyle, did you ever go to a Chuck E. Cheese growing up or no? Yeah. <laughs> Why do you sound so depressed about this? <laughs> I had my birthday at Chuck E. Cheese. <gasps> oh my gosh! You were yeah, a rich kid. Rich I was, kid. I was a rich kid. That's Tear where down rich the tall kids trees have birthday parties. Defeat the proletariat. <laughs> defeat the, the defeat the, the the defeat the capitalists. We are the proletariat. We're going to destroy you now. <laughs> um, okay, so everyone knows Chuck E. Cheese, the rat slash after the two thousands mouse. Um, who Wait, is the mascot like, Okay, he switched species. Yeah, they rebranded as a mouse because, like, mice <laughs> are less gross than rats, I guess. Um, uh, yeah, unarguably true. Yeah. So everyone knows this character. What fewer people know is that this character has an in-company children's book-styled Bible of sorts of information about the character that <laughs> you are supposed to know if you play the character, even though. You don't speak to anyone when you play the character. Um, short version is this. Uh, Chuck E. Cheese is actually short for Charles Entertainment Cheese. That's his full name. Um, he was an orphan. And because he was an orphan, he didn't know his birthday. This is all in this book. You can look this up. There's a whole version of this uploaded to issue. You can literally like swipe through it. Um, but he, because he was an orphan, he didn't know his birthday. Um, and he made it, he was very, very, very sad about, uh, not having a birthday. He was also a very, very good singer. Um, and so one day he won a singing competition at the orphanage where he lived and he, and he won enough money to take a ticket to get a bus ticket to New York. And he goes to New York and he meets Pasquale, owner of Pasquale's pizza, <laughs> Pasquale. uh, which is another Chuck E. Cheese character. And <laughs> Also a whole weird capitalist thing where now Chuck E. Cheese is like pretending to be an adult business on, um, on like Uber eats and stuff, uh, to take money away from actual small businesses, by just rebranding themselves Pasquale's pizza. So if you like order from Pasquale's <laughs> pizza, you'll just get pizza from Chuck E. Cheese and you don't know. Um, so, anyway, it's that. so it's that, so it's that Pasquale, um, you know, not, not, uh, a highly, uh, business ethic man. And he decides to hire this orphan mouse to sing at his restaurant to drum up, um, to drum up crowds. And it's, thank, it's, thank oh God gosh. child labor laws don't apply to orphans, by the way, like, or yeah. mice or, or mice. Yeah. Haven't right. you yeah. seen Stuart little? Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so he hires this rat mouse, this orphan rat mouse to come and perform in front of a crowd a crowd comes up. It's Chucky's opening night. He's so nervous. He cacks the note, 
everyone gets so angry they start like throwing things at him mm. like tomatoes and garbage and they're screaming obscenities at him like a really you know measured normal reaction mm-hmm. um to a baby mouse messing up a singing note and um they all leave but as he's as they're all leaving he sees one little child crying i guess because his singing was so bad or something and that reminds him of all the tears he shed being an orphan and not knowing his birthday. And so he decides to start singing. He's just spontaneously moved by ostensibly the spirit to start singing the happy birthday song. Whose birthday sings, is it? It's, it's, it? it's nobody's birthday. It's nobody's birthday. But he just, he just deeply, like he would sing the happy birthday song, I guess, to himself to comfort himself for not knowing when his birthday was. Like this is a deep. He just he sings of out of deep trauma. Yeah, right. So he okay. starts singing out of his deep trauma again. This is all. This is all part of the official lore yeah. of the restaurant. Yeah, this and is all he reasonable. Starts singing happy birthday of his trauma, and slowly the audience comes back in and they sit in awe of Chucky's beautiful voice, and um. This is Why like t- a Doofenshmirtz, like Phineas and Ferb, <laughs> yeah, Doofenshmirtz really- backstory. <laughs> like, this what is really <laughs> unnecessarily dark and convoluted. Um, so this is why even now Chuck E. Cheese is all about having your birthday there, right? Because Chuck E. wanted to make sure that every child got to celebrate their birthday since he never had one. And they serve Pasquale's pizza. So all of the things that you did not have questions about, uh, they have answers for. Now I have a lot more questions, though, (laughs) is the problem. And I'm pretty sure that this is going to run out at some point. And I think I'm going to still have more questions. This is that terrible, like, postmodern writing thing that they keep doing where they give origin stories to characters in order to answer questions that we don't have questions. Like when they did the solo movie and we had to find out how he got his dice and how he got his last name because everyone was, like, wondering i guess yeah it's like wow those dice though wow i mean i loved how they were in one movie and then not in the other two and then like wow but they needed a story he's called han solo because he was by himself that's crazy oh my gosh if he'd been with somebody else he would have been han plus one (laughs) which is incredible (laughs) oh my gosh so anyway this is for this is uh for chuck e cheese what that was why am i bringing this up in a fake saints episode for literally no other reason than that this character who is very obviously in his origins based on like a Frank Sinatra wise guy, Italian singer type was raised by the good and loving nuns at the St. Marinara orphanage. Oh my gosh. And so my my submission for my fourth fake saint is St. Marinara who is given thankfully no information in this thing. I was going to say, where's St. Marinara's backstory? No backstory, but far. But St. Javelin didn't have a backstory, so it's fine. True. Actually, that's, so, there's a match. You see, there's a match. It's right, more of a there, match there, than there we thought. go. There's the, yeah, exactly. But so I did try to research as much as I could about St. Marinara. Maybe they had other internal stuff. Maybe they didn't. So it, there's only one article that I could find that wasn't directly related to commenting on the total complete batshit insanity of the story that I just told you. And that article was, I guess an atheist pathos blog talking about how St. Marinara is the pirate patron saint of the church of the flying spaghetti monster, which is that like annoying parody religion. Oh yeah. That's Uh on the internet and stuff. 
there's they prevent they present uh, they present excuse me no evidence for this. I'm pretty sure that they were just like doing a riff on the Chuck E. Cheese thing. I'm sure. So yeah, I, I can't find anything else. But he, okay, so here's what I do love about the Saint Marinara thing. We're talking a lot about cultural Catholicism in this episode. Ultimately, like this, this really is coming down to a conversation about cultural Catholicism where it's, whether it's the medieval cultural Catholicism of seeing saints as a, like as a genre of feel good novels. So I'm going to write my own parody one about St. Nemo, or whether we're talking about the celebration of St. Erho, or they're talking about St. Javelin. A lot of fake saint stuff does come down to parody within a culture where Catholicism has been widely proliferated. And I think St. Marinara, despite having, no background or even a gender is a really, really good example of this almost to a microcosmic degree, because basically it to invent a character like Charles entertainment cheese, who is a, <laughs> who, who is a pest. I can't say with a straight face, who is a pastiche of a Frank Sinatra or a Dean Martin, any of those guys you like, you kind of can't separate out Catholicism from this sort of Italian american wise guy experience so they have to end up putting it in there they just like it wouldn't it wouldn't be nearly as charming or as funny if you didn't put that in there because if that you didn't need, put saint marinara's orphanage in there right mm-hmm. it wouldn't feel i mean it's weird to call it authentic but it wouldn't feel authentic to that stereotype that cliche that trope whatever you want to call it unless there was some aspect of cultural catholicism there and so that's why i kind of end with this one it's just i think that's interesting because it gets right to the heart of because it has no identity because saint marinara has no identity no background it's literally just a pun and a bad one at that i think it does illustrate something fundamental about these which is that they do stem from a reprocessing and a a repackaging and a effort to understand often from the outside um, a, a, a given culture's experience of faith, whether mm. that is a Canadian doing a depiction of the trappings of Ukrainian faith, or whether that's like a deeply Americanized guy with no sense of faith doing what he imagines a parallel of St. Patrick would be, or whether that's, you know, this, you know, corporate writers coming up with an insane backstory for their <laughs> rat mouse. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like this actually weirdly gets to the heart of the subject matter in a, in a way that maybe the others for all their detail can't. Am I kidding myself? <laughs> no, I think, yeah, I, uh, cause there you're right. It's sort of, this is like, um, it's reduced to its, to its absolute essence of like, what is the bare minimum that we can use to express that? Like, um, this is a religiously orphanagey kind of a thing. It's like, well, like, why is it even there? Like, well, it's because like everyone is going to associate like, um, a child raised in an orphanage. Like you want that to have a kind of like, you don't want it to be like a, a state run institution that doesn't have any romance to it. So you want it to right, be like, cause a- then you get miss Han again. Right. Who's so that? From from Annie. I forget you wanted to, side note, Father Gabriel wanted to do an episode on all musicals. And I did, I, yeah. as a theater kid, was like, 
are you an idiot? We have to do individual musicals. And that hadn't even occurred to him. Yes. It's Annie. It's the villain in the musical. Annie. Mm. but anyway, continue. Yeah. 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 Annie. It's the worst. Uh, see, this is, <clears throat> this is why I have thoughts, you know, but this is why we just, just do everything. <laughs> Let's just do everything. We're like, yeah, no, that sucks. It'll be, we will be propose something. I'll be like, no, it'll be great. Um, and, uh, um, but yeah, so it has to, so we don't want to be institutional. Uh, and then we, so we wanted to have some kind of relational thing. And so there's going to be like, uh, yeah, uh, the church runs orphan or, orphanages, but then they have like saint names, but like nobody knows what saints are. So like, but it's got Italian Italian because exactly right. Like, as you were saying, so like, let's have, uh, let's, it's got to sound Italian. So it'll be Saint Marinara because that's a thing. One thing I well, love about that, of also course, because weirdly Chuck E. Cheese does still consider itself primarily a pizza restaurant. Like they recently, like in the last five years, like we're going to be getting rid of a lot of the games to <gasps> make it a space where kids can sort of play for really while adults study and get work done and enjoy study and get work done at charles energy tim and cheese right and the only common factor between this and old chuck e cheese is the terrible pizza which means that they actually think part of their corporate identity like a major part is not the games or the animatronics but the pizza which is just in case any execs from chuck e cheese are listening to this right now that's not what we all value or think about when we consider your brand at all. There's but the anyway. there's the rolly thing where you put the balls in the holes. That's that's what yeah. it's about. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. That begins and ends there. <laughs> that's amazing. I uh see Marina Dove has, does have this very particular angle that I really love though, um, which is the like um misplaced anthropomorphism where like this this happens a lot it's sort of like all these sort of half thought out stories and like advertising stuff like this because because this is proposed as saint marinara this is selling pizza you you eat it you eat it this is proposing that you eat saint marinara Oh, but then we can no. get to no. This is just some goober <laughs> who was working there, and he's like, the dumb boss is like, I need you to write up a story about Chucky Entertainment cheese. Well, ex- exactly. What, this is what, what I mean. And he's like, what? He says so that in like, okay, so it would be, I don't know, like, Saint Marinara. It sounds it Italian. Might, it sounds dumb, Italian. Yeah, it's fine. And that's where it came from. It's not some like you're assuming though, Father Gabriel. That <sighs> when you say anthropomorphism and branding, you're talking about like when Tim the Tuna sells the cans of tuna. That's exactly so you're what assuming, I mean. That's you're exactly what Saint I mean. Marinara is a pizza. That's what I mean. Is that Saint Marinara? Oh. Well, he's the pizza. He's the he's the sauce in the pizza. No, no, I'm exactly thinking about like the the tuna fish selling the cans of tuna fish it's like i escaped i'm selling these suckers though <laughs> i don't think so i think it's just a guy who has the last name saint marinara maybe the, the sauce is marinara. maybe the sauce is named for him hey maybe, maybe he was, was also maybe, a mouse maybe it was stacy marinara okay it's, but we just call her by her last name you yeah know? that's, that's mm-hmm. true too all i'm saying is um chucky e. cheese company uh, Charles Entertainment <laughs> Cheese Holdings. If you're listening, stop being cowards. We want a Saint Marinara animatronic. Yes, we don't care if it's a pizza. We don't care if it's a rat. We don't care if it's a man or a woman. We just care that it is an animatronic Saint Marinara, uh, like praying in the corner. Like probably shouldn't participate in the actual shows. <laughs> Should be like muttering hymns in like the far corner of the bar, really creeping everybody out. Um, even if you get rid of all the other games and animatronics, I think we need this and, um, we're going to sue you if you don't all above. Okay. It's to yeah. you, Kyle. You- well, I wanted to say too, if, if, if that's the case that 
it is a pizza. Saint Marinara is a pizza. Um, part of the backstory should be very dark. Maybe uh, Saint Purple Nurple esque named a saint, <laughs> but actually was not a saint. And then he, oh man, oh, wow, saint that's the that's like the, wow, that's the dark version. <laughs> it turns out Saint Marinara is actually like <laughs> and then a the very orphanage. bad person. Yeah, it's, right. it, the orphanage was created in uh, sort of a. Also, like the darkest timeline. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> dark. Dark. Wow. Look at, the, yeah. look at you. You just managed to make Charles Entertainment Cheese's backstory even darker and weirder. Good for you. <laughs> yeah, they, subs- they subscribe to the Pepperonin Heresy. <laughs> <laughs> There's a. Um, they should. There, you know, we have the Flying Spaghetti Monster. We need a, a fake religion in Chuck E. Cheese World. So, like, in Chuck E. Cheese World. God is the fake God and flying spaghetti monster is. Oh, so in Chuck E. Cheese world, you're saying that the church of the flying spaghetti monster is not, it's it's not a parody religion. It's, it's it's the actual one true religion. There is actually spaghetti. Yeah. And then they're like, you pray to God. Okay. Whatever, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Loser. (laughs) Wow. This is, this is the way to like introduce children to like like religious pluralism and religious autocracy at the same time. Like I really kind of, I kind of dig this. Who would have thought <laughs> they need just from one line in an internal memo children's book, <laughs> we could deduce all of this. Each Chuck E. Cheese needs like a, a jungle gyms, like theater that just gives you the lore of this. Well, so who jungle gyms that? For, for all the listeners who are not from Cincinnati. Oh yeah. Gyms is a immersive themed grocery store. <laughs> where the it's, entrance it's the world's best sm- grocery store yeah it has a small the entrance is a small movie theater where to understand the apparently high concept nature of this themed grocery store <laughs> you go and you sit and watch the jungle gym story starring <laughs> jungle gym and um so, like kind of like epcot where the the um it is nothing like epcot you it's shut a hundred percent like not epcot. epcot the epcot ball whatever the ride is in there spaceship earth yeah it's kind of like that how it you're comparing the jungle gyms pre-show to spaceship <laughs> earth mm-hmm. get all this is heresy i don't care about catharism or pepperonism <laughs> this is heresy oh, this hey is listen crazy. jacob you're out number two to one no it's okay it's fine it's great uh, it's great it's great all right. I know I know somebody else who was outnumbered. A little guy I like to call Jesus Christ. Maybe you know like <laughs> <Da, da, da. laughs> like to introduce you to a friend of mine. <laughs> All right. Jesus Christ. I got a pick now. Okay. You do. Yeah, you do. So you know, I had this kind of I don't know, maybe a bit of an epiphany, and I think you touched on this, Father Gabriel. You know, it could be like the, the saint was created in, in hopes to recognize that there is sort of a right to defend ourselves. This could not be necessarily attack. Uh, you know, this could be a way to defend against the attacks on Ukraine or to, to signify or to show that, wow, like this Christian nation has to get up in arms. Um, and, and the, the the reason I felt that way was was because of the image you brought up of of, uh, of Mary punching Satan in the face, which uh, did, is that reverent in any way, or is that also? I think sort it of- is. I think it is. And I, it wasn't. Again, it wasn't meant to be like a. This wasn't meant to be 
um an attack uh, or whatever no no that was that was meant reverently yeah okay well, um, yeah, I, I mean I with the like with the think... whimsical reverence of saint nemo frankly you know mm-hmm. right i would like to think it's the whimsical reverence of this entire show like you know we, we aim to be very irreverent but in a deeply reverent way mm. or you know whimsically reverent i think it's another good way to put it i've not yeah. referred to it that way before father gabriel but i like that so yeah i mean sincere and insofar <sighs> as it's sincere reverent but silly let's say yeah mm-hmm. yeah mm. so I, I struggle with that i'd really really be curious to like know the artist's interpretation and i know that like art usually it, it's it's what you know the 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 crowds think you know we we mm. we give art meaning but i'd be interested just to see you know what he thinks of it maybe he doesn't have an opinion and um yeah it'd be a crazy interview to do actually yeah if we could i yeah. that would be really cool um so but what this comes down to kyle what this comes yeah, down to is do you think the right to defend yourself is more important than the right to pizza. I mean, really, that's what I Yeah, got for pizza, honestly. Yeah, got <laughs> for pizza. I will have pizza. It's real good. It's a gabagol. <laughs> you know, a gabagol. Yeah. Uh, neither of them have backstory. That's, I like that. See, this is a good coming out. Yeah, that was accidental. That. that was good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I got to give it to Saint uh javelin there I it is so. there it is wow. i think for the tie also because yeah I, like i'm actually like feeling a little bit like you know maybe maybe that this would mean something to someone more than saint marinara and also i think that is chucky absolutely Jesus, true the, the the fact that chucky cheese is trying to be a speakeasy like just <laughs> <laughs> makes me oh my God. not ever want to associate i'm never going <laughs> to like oh you want to go speakeasy. to lunch let's let's go to let's go to this chucky e. cheese place hey, it's, hey i heard there's this new place that popped up downtown i think it's called chucky e. cheese let's go there for lunch boss. hey hey dame it's 2 a.m and we can't buy liquor legally anymore because of them prohibitions let's go to that speakeasy named child entertainment cheese next time i'm in town Kyle, will, next time i'm in town kyle i will take you out to a official like tax taxable business lunch and i will not tell you where we're going and i will take you to chuck e cheese and i'll we put in my business card up, for this gotta, podcast gotta, we're like, gonna go in ties silk yeah. white scarves little <laughs> little like icons to saint marinara we'll like set up a little ofrenda no, 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 in the no. corner we gotta like totally like build this corporate dream that they have we gotta have <laughs> Like tie, like black suits or whatever. Go in, and we're like working, and we're talking like business mumbo jumbo. Like, and then numbers, like, numbers, numbers. Business, business, yeah. business. And like, do you want to go to the play place real quick? Yes. As a matter of fact, I would. Before we head back, we have a meeting at one. Oh my gosh, I love this so much. Yeah. So so hey, so I'm looking at the clock. We've been at this like two hours ish. A little more, <laughs> no uh, more maybe, than that. maybe maybe we, closer to three. I'm not sure. We might yeah, have just we might have just beat. Uh, I have a crush on you, to be honest. Uh, which is yeah, <laughs> we might have. But here's the thing. So the way the way brackets are supposed to work, and people who actually give a crap about sports who might are listening are like, well, they, are they may have been upset pair all along each actually, of because we never advanced. Well, yeah, they, yeah, we never really advanced. But we 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 used this metric falsely. <laughs> so now we have to 
it's it's two and two, right? I got two of mine that Kyle chose. We got two of yours, Father Gabriel, that Kyle chose. We won't, I won't, for the sake of time, go through each and pair them off two by two and battle till we find one. But I do think it'd be cool to kind of go through and just sum up this episode by choosing, if we had to, what what all of each of our favorite one from the whole roster was. I think that might be a good way to wrap up. So I'll I'll actually start just to get us rolling. My favorite from everything that was mentioned was St. Nemo. I thought that was, first of all, your way of telling that story was awesome. You did a perfect job setting that up. You did a perfect job gaslighting us with it <laughs> and making us think that we might not actually know the Bible that well. Um, make, forcing Kyle to admit that he actually doesn't know the Bible that well. All of those things. I'm, I um, will willfully admit that. <laughs> yeah. I was even Protestant and didn't read that, that Bible. Yeah, <laughs> didn't I read know. that pause oh, Bible. It's a good Bible. The Holy Bible. <laughs> Right. But no, I, I love this same new idea. I think it's, first of all, I love the idea because there is, we, Father Gabriel and I were having a conversation off air on the day, which we do sometimes, <gasps> um, about like our, our respective areas of medieval fandom. Right. And, and one of mine is, is sort of like the culture of the middle ages and those vibes. And I think those are often really unfairly depicted um, especially kind of in an anti-Catholic way in your stereotypical Renaissance festival and stuff where the people are having fun and they're very crass and they're very like, you know, goofy and parodying of things. And then the church over here is very staunch and grumpy and have all the power. Right. And there were certainly places where that happened. Anti-clericalism did happen in the middle ages and all these sorts of things. But I think there was, there was much more gray area in between those two things of like monks and priests and sisters and saints with really hilarious sense of humor who wanted to take the piss out of the popular culture just as much as anyone else does. And I think that the fact that it would frustrate someone without that sense of humor is so delightful because it really speaks to all of the current insecurities we're feeling about someone like St. Javelin, right? Maybe we are sort of the modern uh, incarnation of that same, you know, humorless uh, monk who wrote the diatribe that you mentioned. Um, And just the idea of, Nemo itself meaning no no one or no name or any of those things like perfectly encapsulates the idea of a fake saint where like essentially even his name means fake saint. Um, I just love that. That's I did not know about this before the podcast. I've learned something. And and if you if I had to choose, I would say that's my number one mm-hmm. uh, out of the list we wrote down. Kai, you want to go? Yeah, I suppose I can, and I'm I'm still kind of debating. The fact that St. Mungo could also sort of be real, but I guess that kind of defeats the point. Yeah, see, that's episode. what I'm starting with, because yeah. it is cool that St. Mungo has a grain of reality, but the metric we're specifically doing is fake saints. So does yeah. the fact that he has a grain of reality completely disqualify him? Maybe yeah. I shouldn't have brought him up to begin with. Well, you're more talking about St. Saint Mungo in the Harry Potter universe. And yeah, that was kind of healing, to be honest, like hearing about that. I don't know what I'm judging based off of, you know, again, I joked about like a metric system, but I have none. So I'm just going based off healing. That's my metric. Which is a fine metric yeah. for a conversation this silly. Yeah, true, true, true. And in general, I mean, I'm a counselor, so feelings are a fine metric in general. Huh. I just bottle those down. 
<laughs> shove it down with some brown, boy. Shove it down My with some brown. has been trying for the longest time. He can't crack me, and he won't. Yeah. He's not going to unzip me. He's not going to unzip <laughs> me. You unzip me, Doc. <laughs> oh, you unzip me. Oh. <laughs> A plastic bag for... Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, you're, um, But you're leaning towards St. Mongo, then. But also... St. Javelin, I, uh, you know, my heart has been very heavy with the people of Ukraine. I don't know. The, 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 I think any support and, and reaching out in any way is an attempt for something good, and it's really hard to ignore that, and especially with the idea of, you know, this, this was a, a homily that um, uh, my priest gave the church I attend that um you know that there's like anger is not necessarily a, a bad emotion and um you know we, we we think of the parable of like or not the parable the, the story of Jesus like going into the temple and just tearing out all of the gambling and and you know like we we, we view that sort of as, as righteous anger but he, the way he described it was that like this was not like a a whim like oh i'm pissed okay i'm gonna go do this it was thought out like he he made the whip and he spent time creating that and it was right jesus went off and fashioned a whip out of cords like that takes a bit of time that's one of my favorite lines in the gospel i'm not gonna lie yes i just love because like because i love in fact specifically thinking about just exactly Mm -hmm. what you're saying yeah yeah so like (laughs) anger in that moment was not in any way shape or form like some people use that as like a way to like show like Jesus was imperfect and which is just absolutely ridiculous because it says it right there that that was this man spent hours if not you know maybe I don't know how long it would take I've never made a whip I imagine you're not just making whips in your your (laughs) office you're not just sitting there during your weird making whips (laughs) yeah what What the heck what a dork what you a know, loser. If I, That's if cringe. I wasn't working, I could probably do it. Well. I thought he doesn't cringe. even know how to make a whip. Please. Yeah, that's so, so cringe, bro. That's yeah. that's so cringe that you don't know how to make whips. So, I don't know. I think the idea of sort of a righteous anger that there's no other thing to do but defend yourself. And, um, yeah, cool, I think man. I got to give it to, to St. Javelin. I think I do. I think, again... My heart is just so heavy with what's going on there. And again, I think any good is good. I, I think if it was done with ill intention, um, you know, that's kind of sad that that, that was what happened. But I think but God I can think, still use that. Yeah, exactly. I think that that's, this person was sort of reaching out in a way and... You know, I, I, I went on a date and we walked past this, like, it was like a witch store and they had Mary in there, like a statue of Mary. And I was like, kind of concerned that they had Mary in there. I'm like, no, Mary's supposed to be there. If, if Mary, if the statue of Mary was supposed to be anywhere, it's in this store specifically. She can handle her own, you know, mm. just. That's badass, man. That's yeah. really cool. So, uh, yeah, St. Javelin. I'm done. Also, marinara guy, you boy, he's awesome. I love the pizza sauce. He's so awesome. I love pizza. But uh, you know, St. Javelin's cool. This is also spe- mostly speakeasy pizza, though. Mostly speakeasy pizza. Um, I go for the speakeasy. 
The cocktail hour at Chuck E. Cheese. That's, that's typically what I prefer. <laughs> that's amazing. Well, I I admit I feel I feel a little bit like uh you know like when you're at a restaurant and like uh. The guy, the, the guy right before you orders like the the dish that you thought was like so cool. They're like, I'm the kind of person, I'm the kind of only kind of person here who would order this, you know. Uh, like everybody at the table orders the same thing. You're like, I am the worst. Um, but I confess, <laughs> like he's mine, so I shouldn't, so I shouldn't, I shouldn't, I should try to choose something else. But I can't because uh, because Nemo is my favorite. Um, yeah, Nemo is just hugely my favorite because um, I mean for a lot of reasons. So I I, I really resonate with what you said, Jacob. Um. And part of it is like, you know, uh, spoiler alert, like I am a religious, you know, and so um, <laughs> I know it explains his weird clothes. Um, Do you swear you can't be Christian? Oh, my gosh, liar. And um, <laughs> like, uh, I think so. OK, so I was at the um, uh, I got to see Tosca for the first time the other day, which was delightful, and I and I was which at, is it's an opera by by okay. Puccini, um and uh, and I was at, and so I was at the opera and this guy came up to me at one of the intermissions and he started talking and he's like this and he's like well you know I was raised Catholic but I left Christianity because like you know it just seems like a like a no fun rule you know religion of rules and like blah 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 and I don't and I don't I don't want it you know and like you know yeah. Uh, and I just thought, like, that's what a lot of people think and they see, particularly when they see, like, a priest or a religious, they think, like, oh, my gosh, like, no fun. They think, like, yeah, um, sort of frowning all the time. Uh, I don't know, the the, the monks uh, in, is it the Holy Grail? Who Yeah, with the yeah, Holy, Holy Grail. Grail with the Holy, or like monks of the Holy, Holy, Holy Hand Grenade who are, like, whacking, whacking themselves in the head, you know? And it's just... Um, uh, and it's it's I can't really usually even explain to people um, what incredible opportunities for like uh, just like hilarity is involved in this whole process when like you actually can to a a surprisingly large degree remove all the like interpersonal stuff of like do we agree on this and do we agree on that and like what about all these principles that like you think are the best and i think are the worst and like all this kind of stuff we got to take away a lot of that stuff uh and have a lot of shared common opinion common common belief about the things that are the very most important i mean obviously we have lots of differences on opinion and those kinds of things but um and then like and then we share a bunch of texts together that like everybody knows so like everybody knows the psalter like everybody knows a lot of the bible like everybody knows a bunch of saint stories everybody knows a bunch of like genres of writing like saints lives and these kinds of things um and because of how the human heart works when when you're in a context where everybody knows something and they share a love for the thing that they're pointing towards, one of the ways that people show their love is they start to use that thing to make jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just what you do, you know? And so, like, this is totally come to stuff. This is all over the Middle Ages is that people will write these, like, parody psalters and parody masses that, like, again, people, they don't understand. They think this is, like, transgressive or they think that monks are, like, making fun of making fun of God or something like this. No! It's just that everybody knows it so well that, it, like, it's just hilarious because you well, love the thing that it's about. You love that this is a way of worshiping god you love like even the genre of like saints lives or whatever uh and you love thinking about saints and then like it necessarily because we're human beings like the things that we love the most also necessarily also have all these kind of like silly um 
aspects. And so rather than like turning your face away from the silliness, these just embrace it. Um, and they like allow that to become a part of the way in which we worship Christ as incarnate beings. Uh, and I just think it's so beautiful. Like it's such a profound expression of like how completely Christ redeems us that I just, I just, I can't, I can't praise it enough, you know? And then also onto the fact that like, you know, this text is written at the end of the 13th century and it is just hilarious to like contemporary <laughs> sensibilities, you know, like I spent like yeah, a lot of us, up. I spent a lot of my, I spent a lot of my twenties, um, researching like 18th century Japanese joke books. Sure. Yeah. Um, that's a common, that's a common rite of passage. Yeah. I think, I think that's how most people spend their twenties. And, um, and let me tell you, like most of those jokes don't work. You know, uh, it is not like they don't work because you translate them to English. I mean, like in modern Japanese, they don't, it's just the, just the the humor and everything was so situational and so specific that like most of them are not really particularly funny, except for the ones that are about sex. And then it's just like, oh, 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 funny, <laughs> you know, um, to go full circle on how this very conversation started. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> oh, well, this yeah. is just like hilarious, you know, so <laughs> I'm on the episode about sex. I can't wait. I'm Kyle. I have a sense of humor. I'm a wise guy guy i like pizza that's my impression of you kyle i don't know if you could tell it's not funny <laughs> <laughs> but if i could build on what you're saying for the game like yeah there is this tremendous camaraderie but also i think it speaks to so when i was a little kid i read this children's book and i honest to god for the life of me cannot remember what the children's book was or what it was about i just remember that it included scenes set ostensibly in heaven and that god was kind of a character and but i but i do remember the sort of letter from the author that she wrote to kids and parents at the end of the book and she said some people might be offended by my depiction of heaven it was like fields and butterflies and stuff like this instead of clouds i guess you know nothing radical um some people might be offended but i am a religious person and i have a personal relationship with god and Therefore, like with all my friends, I joke with him. And I love that because what I think people who think religion isn't fun misunderstand is that Christianity isn't primarily supposed to be, as you have often said, Father Gabriel, a religion. It's supposed to primarily, first and foremost, be a relationship with God and any relationship, uh, married relationship, friend relationship, any healthy relationship is going to have this profound camaraderie and this profound sense of humor. And maybe it's optimistic and idealistic to say, but but I really think that Saint Nemo represents this, and then more broadly, the the existence of fake saints represents this. The humor mm. implied from that, whether or not the creator knows it, I think implies the kind of sense of humor that we as Catholics should have with our friend Jesus, with our friend God the Father, with our friend the Spirit, right? And and I don't know. I, I like thinking about that way. I mean, even Kyle, to be honest, it's it's weird to have you here because normally there's sort of this unspoken relationship between Father Gabriel and I where, you know, I'm finding depth in a very, very silly thing, right? And sometimes he does it like with Aqua Teen Hunger Force, but generally speaking, it's me. And I'm feeling like very kind of uncomfortable with the St. Javelin thing, but mm. you're coming in and saying, hey, if there's this intention like if the, if a good thing is coming out of it, then God is there. Mm -hmm. And the same thing is true with all of this stuff. Yeah. Like if there's a good thing coming out of it, like this is something that we can joke about with God and, mm -hmm. and because of our closeness with him, mm -hmm. and I just find that really beautiful. 
Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, again, if if, if the intentions are, are horrible, you, you can't you can't do a, a bad deed. You can't use evil to justify. You got this. You got this buddy. Yeah, something like that. Something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got it. You but, got it. And and no, all, no, but I know, I know what you're yeah. saying. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. No, no, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I, I think I'm glad we had this conversation because again, I was looking forward to this just because it was a silly episode. And of course, you know, knowing us, the silliest episode is now the longest episode we've ever recorded. <laughs> Um, which just says a lot about who we are as people, but, but regardless, I, I hope on some level, this inspires our listeners to, um, to joke with God, mm. um, and maybe even delve into, cause a lot of these are sort of folk saints, right. Uh, of their, of cultures and things like this, maybe delve into the, the fake saints of your culture, delve in certainly to the real saints of your culture. Mm. Um, and in general, go forth and create cool things. You've been listening to Creator Things, a podcast of Catholic creatives, hosted by Father Gabriel Toretta O.P. and Jacob Flores Popcheck, produced by Jessica Flores Popcheck and Kyle Meineke. To find out more about how you can support the podcast and other ventures for artists, visit catholiccreatives.org forward slash support.